he's got one of the other PE teachers with him. He says, we, we do functional movements. And so instantly I perk up my wife and I, and there's, there's a, a 500 parents there mm-hmm. and my daughter's sitting next to me and we do functional movements and, uh, stuff that you would do in everyday life. Um, they'll squat, they're going to lift some weights. They're going to do some gymnastics stuff. They're going to do some body weight movements. And I'm thinking, holy crap. And he turns to the other teacher and he says, can I, can I just go ahead and tell him what we do? And the, guy, and the guy says, yeah, you can. He goes, all right, we do CrossFit. And there was kind of a hush. And I wanted to stand up and just go, yes, <laughs> hallelujah. And uh, my daughter just looked at me. I'm like, and she, <laughs> I give her the fist. And, and uh, she, she oh, rolled her eyes, of course, at me. But they do CrossFit there. At the high school. At the high school for PE. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Oh yeah, all the way through. That's and, awesome. And 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 when you say they do it, they have. It's, it sounds like they have someone who went through the L one and they're and they're practicing it, but they're not affiliated or or whatnot. No, they're not affiliated, and th- I don't believe they've. He's been. He has an L one. I've. I immediately went down and talked to him. I was the oh, yeah. geeky dad and went down. Oh, hey, I just want to let you know I own a CrossFit gym. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I do this for a living. <laughs> and I said, anytime you want to come down, I'll comp your membership, come and train. And so I, I just assumed that they, he was L1 until one of her homework pieces was on the power clean. <laughs> and she had to talk about the power clean. So I clicked on the, her homework through School Loop, which is a system where you can get homework automatically. It's kind of a neat system, and you can, parents can interact with it. In it was the Power Clean video. So I'm thinking, uh, instantly I thought mm-hmm. a CrossFit training video was going to pop up. It wasn't. It was the teacher doing Power Cleans with this reverse curl like oh. to the waist, oh. muted <laughs> hips, like, and literally so long. It was this, th- 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 you know, pulling it up, not even getting into the rack position. Did, was it even a barbell that could spin? And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a good question. I don't know. And I, I was horrified. I go, I you know, I call my daughter and I said, you, you got to come watch. This is how you do a parkland. And I pulled up a CrossFit video and showed her. And I, of course, followed up with a teacher with a link to <laughs> all of the CrossFit videos, not wanting to say specifically, hey, that power clean video is not a power clean video yeah your daughter's 14 yes you are i am 55 so you had her at 41 yes oh that's when i had my first kid really yeah wow i'm 46 my wife and i adopted and we tried for about eight years to get pregnant and were unsuccessful we had my wife was pregnant a couple of times and uh, miscarried both times which is as we found out not that uncommon. No, no, we miscarried. We miscarried twice. Right? Yep. It's a trip. And uh, did, she not, have it, did she have any that were bad where she's like bleeding out in the tub and you got to take her to the hospital? Um, yeah, a little bit. Yes. Scary, right? Yeah, very scary. That process. Yeah. It's like traumatic. making these is fun. The rest of this shit gets oh, weird. Yeah. Be, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> and even the making process became scientific. And, uh, you know, you got a certain calendar, you're taking the, uh, the Clomid, she took the Clomid, and, you know, all of that stuff. And at one point, we finally just said, this, enough is enough. And I watched a Discovery Channel show on adoption. I forget what the show was called, but it was stor- adoption, st- adoption Stories was it. It was 30-minute little documentaries. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that is cool. And it was, it all, the stor- the, those documentaries always ended with the baby being delivered to the adopted family and it was always a you know kind of a surreal moment really yeah. really powerful and i convinced my wife i said let's adopt 
And she goes, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. So I went and I did all the work. Got the packets, got the information. We submitted it. Um, literally three weeks after we submitted the work, they called us up and they go, did you get all your home study stuff done? Because you have to do all this, all the, the steps you have to take to adopt a child is remarkable given that most people can just have sex and pop out a kid. Mm-hmm. And we had to, they had to come inspect our house. We had to do eight hour Jeez. interviews. Um, and, and so within three weeks, they called us up and said, you got picked. And can you handle twins? Huh. And, and my wife and I were, yeah, sure, we can. Absolutely. Turned out she didn't have twins. She had her daughter. And uh, within literally almost within three months of the starting the adoption process, we were sitting at home going, what the hell do we do? And I had a brand new baby. You actually had a brand new baby. Out of the hospital. Carried her out of the hospital. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, remarkable. And when we went to the hospital, we, and, we, and we did this online, too, through adoptionnetwork.net, amazing organization. Now they have an app. Yeah. <laughs> Pick your kid. You no, know, we, we we went to that. I want him half black, <laughs> half Chinese. His dad be six two. That, that one's gonna yeah. cost you extra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ironically, they do ask. You know, do you have any preferences with respect to race and sex and uh, okay. and uh, <laughs> and and religion? And we said no. We just said to religion. Yes. They don't got a religion when they're born, do no, they? No, no. It's it's interesting. The, and they go and and you basically put together a manual of yourself, uh, like a, a booklet that sells yourself, and then the parents yeah. pick you. So adoptionnetwork.net. Did you have a photo in there with your shirt off? <laughs> no, no, but it was a good-looking photo. I okay. was going to say. <laughs> All right, I could see, see CrossFitter doing that. Submit. Oh yeah. Hey, here's me doing no. Fran. Here's the whole video. No, it was it was a medium T-shirt for okay. sure. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you put together your own like you yeah booklet yes yeah. and I sell it and we were picked essentially almost immediately and went there and then they called you know out of the blue the folks in and they're based out of Orange County and they said hey you have to go now she's in the hospital uh, giving birth and we're like holy crap we made it we I was in Austin living in Austin Texas at the time we drove to Leesville Louisiana clinic in Leesville Louisiana. And they had gone to the, they were from Texas, but they had gone to Leesville because they didn't want their parents to know mm. that they were having this baby. This was their, Alana was their fifth child. And the rest of the children, her other siblings, are scattered in and amongst family members because they weren't able to provide for them. Mm. Um, and so we went to the hospital. Same man and same woman. Same man and Well, same that's woman. cool. Yeah. I mean, it that is. part, I mean, that, I'm, I'm tripping out that you'd have five key <laughs> be. Right. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say irresponsible to have five kids, but then to stay together, I'm kind of like, all right, well, shit, right. that's a... Yeah, common, that's common a sh- law husband. But that's kind of cool. But they couldn't provide. And so we went in there and, and literally... Did she have the birth vaginally? Yeah. Uh, yes. But she had had... And the reason why the pregnancy was a surprise, because the previous children, she had twins, were taken cesarean. Okay. Mm. And so she. Um, Once you open that door, it's less likely she that you'll thought have... that her tubes were tied. Oh, um, is what she said. Uh, the rabbit hole goes deeper. Yeah. The old doctor says he tied him, but he didn't. Yeah. He didn't use a double knot. <laughs> and it was a small clinic in Leesville, Louisiana. But the but the doctors that were there were amazing. Um, and they were. Oh, she's so pretty. Oh, look you... at that hair. <laughs> look at that hair. So my wife's hair is naturally curly as well. 
And 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 we, I, when we walked into the hospital room, the birth parents were there, which was all surreal. And there was no one from the adoption agency there. You're kind of on your own, and it's almost like a drug deal being arranged. Hey, go meet these guys. <laughs> such such. Pick up this you know this package. Is it just? Um, is there crazy emotion in the room? Yes. Just like fuck. yes. Because we're and, talking and about a human. Right. Taking a human from you and giving it to me. And but what was more interesting was we walked in and, and afterwards I thought about it. It's not it's not as um, it's 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 makes more sense to me after thinking about it. We walked in and they and I was kind of surprised. I'm like they look like us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the wife had dark curly hair. Mm -hmm. The husband was six four and he was like two forty. He's a mm -hmm. big guy. And can you I, imagine if I that had been my I adopted her. Seven, <laughs> she'd be taller than me. <laughs> but, That's not your dad, is it? No, it is. I just imagine you walking in, shaking the guy's hand, and just like engulfs yours. Yeah. So you think about the process of selection. You probably you, you would want your, yeah, your like child kids, yeah, to look similar. like, yeah. And so, um, to, so she was in the in Louisiana. It's there's a um, only a forty eight hour kind of right of refusal. California is six months, by the way. Wow, what a discrepancy. And, and it happens in California where they go, for the birth mother goes five months and says, you know what, I changed my mind. Mm. And that's, that's horrible because the bonding happens instantly. And for, in Louisiana, it's 48 hours. In other words, for the drugs to be out of your system so to make sure they're mm. making a clear decision. And literally after the 48 hours, um, we, you know, we were in the room with Alana holding her in a, in a separate room. And, um, and I had to run down. I go, uh, Yvonne, I got to need to go down to the truck and get something. I go in to get in the truck, and I get in the elevator, and the birth parents are in the elevator. Oh, wow. And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey, how are you guys doing? And they, and they said, good. I said, are you, you, you coming back? Are we going to talk before you go? And they said, no, we're leaving now. I said, oh, my gosh. I said, I want to let you know this is oh, we're in extremely grateful. Like, I can't tell you. This has been a 10-year process, I said, but it is more than this would Alana is the only grandchild on my wife's side, or other sisters couldn't have couldn't bear children either. I said, "You are doing something powerful for you know me and Yvonne, but also are for our families. This is really awesome." Mm -hmm. And um, my daughter's birth father, I looked at him, and his eyes were watering. He's big, brain. he has her her eyes, and he had, he, his eyes were watering. And the mother said, "This is harder for him than it is for me." She goes, "But we made the right decision, and thank you." And it was, it was just, and the elevator opened and they were gone. And I went back up, I was like, oh, Yvonne, you won't believe. And, and then we were like, what do we do? <laughs> right. It was, it was an amazing experience. Amazing experience. And then you take the baby home and you're like, yeah. You're like, what the fuck? Did yeah. We were, and parents, and so you've done this before, right? You're the you, same thing. I was, I've been told by, you know, other parents that, yeah, it's the same thing. You get home and you're like, what the shit do I do? Yeah. We were in the car. He's and, pooping yellow. Right. <laughs> Call doctor. He's pooping yellow. It's normal. Oh, Is he breastfeeding? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. It's going to be did, yellow poop. We cool. did uh, all of those same things. I remember driving home on an eight hour drive and we smelled their poop and we're like, oh, what do we do? Right. We got to change it. Okay. How do we do that? Yeah. It's like it's like surgery. It's like change. It's like surgery, right? Both time, you walk yeah. there the first time. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, Spieler told me, uh, gave me great advice at one of the games. While he's competing, we, we're just shooting the shit, and he's like, "Hey, burping, man, burping is everything." And so those were the three. Those were the three things my wife and I did: change the diaper, or the three. Now I forget. Change the diaper, burp, and feed. 
and 99% of the things, but it's crazy. It's crying, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because your baby's just screaming. You pick him up, pat him in the back. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, right. wow. We developed a good schedule, and we got good at those three things. Are you right? That's what it's their hunger. Now she's at Monta Vista. And now she's at Monta Vista High School doing CrossFit and PE. Ah. Uh, Matt, um, huh. while you were doing whatever you do before the show, your, your pre-show ritual, uh, Craig was talking about how his daughter, it was two years ago? Yes. Said to you know, said to him, Dad, I don't have to do CrossFit, do I? He's like, no, no, no. Uh, and now she's in PE. Now she's in, in PE. In her, in her yeah. teachers. Funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, you don't. She, she, uh, she wasn't doing well. The, her first semester of PE, uh, she's doing much better now, but her first semester, it wasn't going well. And I, I stopped on, she was doing something in the bathroom. I stopped and I said, what, what's up with PE? What, you had the 400 meter test. She didn't do it. She goes, well, I like to sprint and then walk and they don't want me to do that. She goes, but I, I, she goes, I'll never be as good as you guys at CrossFit, okay? I'm just telling you right now. I'm like, yeah. And I said, do I project this? Because right? I, I don't try to. I mean, it would be, you know, it's an awesome thing to have a child that you're old. You're daughter. old too. Like she yeah. should like be like, honey, you're going to beat me in five years. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. don't, not even trying. It's true. <laughs> that is true. We'll get to how old you are in a minute. Although I'm younger than you, I'm half as fit as you. But man, age, I've never had more respect for Masters athletes than I've had in the last couple of years. It's And it's gotten harder for them. And um, I'm equally impressed by what they're doing now. It's nuts. Um, this is Eric Maciel. He's makes it so we can be heard. And he brings up embarrassing photos and chooses camera <laughs> angles. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Matt Bischel here. He's in charge of CrossFit social media. And you have been in the CrossFit community since... 2005. And you opened... You were the very first affiliate I ever filmed at when I started working at CrossFit HQ. And right. I want to say it was in Walnut Creek? It was. It was in a, it was in a, a shed, a 700-square-foot mechanic shed. It, it was a real shithole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like you need a tetanus shot to be in there. Like jagged <laughs> edges and shit, right? Yeah, it was. It was, right? I mean, I'm not... Yeah, no, not, not exaggerating at all. Like, in that building, I... Is still there? Wow! Which is crazy. We're not, but they are, and and it was a it was a dollar a square foot for a month, and I was paying for it. I was in the investment business, and I was allowed to have an executive office, um, either inside my house or out of my house, and they would give me a stipend for that. And it was seven hundred fifty bucks stipend for that, and I used it to <laughs> to rent that space, and I would work in the little office in the back. And there was even, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but. Someone got shot in the parking lot? Yes. Oh, my gosh. You remember that? Yeah. Oh. And what's weird is no one gets shot in Walnut Creek. No. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, apparently it, not. No, and so. I remember going there and you being like, yeah, dude. Was it a train? one of your trainers? Yes. Um, he, my, one of my, one of our, the, we had a guy that taught jiu-jitsu there, was a member of taught jiu-jitsu, and he was the murderer. So we had a murder so at he Diablo was convicted? Crossfit. And we, so, yes, he was convicted and is in prison today. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. We survived a murder in our first year. It was a marijuana uh, deal, right? Yes. Do you want to know the irony a murder of that? Of marijuana? I swear to yeah. God. Do you want to know just the fucking irony it. of that? So I don't, I don't smoke marijuana, just so you know. I just, I just want to be very clear. I don't smoke anything. Yesterday, I walked into a dispensary in California and purchased two marijuana plants. That's a hell of a segue. Clones? Clones. Yeah. He, right. The, I was at some. I was at a friend's house and he had two fucking clones. I'm like, where do you get those? He goes at a dispensary. I go, um, you have a card? And he goes, no, you don't need that shit anymore. Mm. What someone got shot for 
10 years ago, I bet you in five years you're going to get to be able to go into Safeway and or gonna, Home Depot they're, they're and they're going to be there. They're going to look back at all the lives that were wasted. Fuck, it's all insane. The, it, it really is. And, and then they're going to look at things, I think also all the opioid addictions that could be oh, remedied yeah. with uh, you know, cannabis-related products, mm-hmm. that, you know, a natural product that's grown, an herb. It's crazy. I, I don't even can – you, can you smoke weed and be in the games? Like, uh, no, it's 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 a banned substance. It is banned substance. Yeah, she get you. She give you like two two. She give you handicap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, you took third. We give you first. Yeah, and and the I guess the canna. Can Ricky Garrard's can, like, can, yeah, can, I, I smoked weed that counteracted the PEDs. <laughs> give like a five second head start. Yeah, like the, why do you? The <laughs> cannabinoid oils or uh, the cannabis. The CBD. The CBD. Yeah. CBD oils are apparently anti-inflammatory. Yeah. They're supposed to be really good. Yeah. But, but you can't. The third factor. Oh, yeah. you can't even do that. No. Because you'll test positive. I take I take CBD before I go to bed. Right. I really I think it helps with inflammation. How long have you been doing it? Um, you yeah. look good. A couple months. Yeah. It's supposed to be great. There isn't. There's no real like head change or anything. I pretty much I take it and I fall asleep in a half hour. That's the third factor. Is Dave gonna come? It's, th- it's the third factor. Is yeah. Dave gonna come piss test you now? <laughs> if I was competitive at all. <laughs> Can you imagine if you drug tested in Santa Cruz? Oh. For for what? Anything. Yeah, I was gonna say you wouldn't have an industry. You. Wh- why did you open that gym? Um, we because we needed a place to do rope climbs and uh, drop weights and keep all of our equipment in one location. So how did you find CrossFit? Um, a men's journal article that I think was printed in like I want to say December of 2003 was an article on it was about online fitness programs. And the hardest one was supposed to was listed as CrossFit. There was barely the internet in 2003, right? Yeah. I mean, I was around. There was? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't I, very fast. I watched Mission Impossible, and that was 1996, and he has an, a scene in there where he's on the internet. Yeah. And I was like, well, and doing email, and I thought, oh, I guess it was earlier than I yeah, thought. Yeah, I remember uh, like yeah. 96, 97 is when I started using like chat rooms. Right. And like AOL. Okay. Okay. My bad. Okay. So, so, and, so you and, saw it. You, yeah. It remember on? the message boards were up in 2003 or 2004. Okay. Yeah. And so I saw that I tried the workout, the workout that they mentioned was Murph. Um, I thought I can do that. I was, you know, I was fit. I was doing triathlons and doing some Navy seal push up, pull up stuff. And I did it. Um, I quickly went to singles and my pull-ups and I did it 100, 200, 300 cause I just didn't know. As it's written. Right? Yeah. yeah, I did it as it's written and I just thought it was awesome. And I'm almost certain that I gave myself rhabdo. I was good, healthy dose of rhabdo. So sore and so <laughs> immediately sold. Mm. It took me like 54 minutes or something to finish. And that was the birth of Diablo CrossFit. And that was the, well, I, and then I went to the message boards and said, Hey, cause I was in living in Walnut Creek at the time. I said, Hey. Is anybody out there do this in Walnut Creek? You guys want to get together and and get a location? And I met Jeremy Jones on the cross. We hit. We, we met on the message boards, mm-hmm. and uh, and he said, yeah. And we, me and Jeremy and another guy, Rob Barnum, got together and and. Uh, do I know Rob? Is he still around? Have I met him? You met Rob, and Rob is in movie production, and uh, he's a movie producer. Okay. He, is, he does probably he says eight. Eight to ten films a year. Oh, busy man. Yeah. Holy and shit. And he goes to all the film festivals and sells them. Rob Barnum. This was back in June 2nd, 06? Yeah. Eric Mayfield talks. There oh, is wow. none. <laughs> I'd like one. <laughs> oh, 
my god wow dude i'm impressed <laughs> he pulled up the message board you may want to get in touch with jeremy, jeremy jones. jones i know him and robert wow see a facility incredible oh mike minium and he owns yeah. CrossFit Oakland. Oh, CrossFit Oakland. He started before us. He's like he's like number fifty three, and we're fifty four. Craig Howard, what a great name! <laughs> it's two first names. Yeah, what's your middle name? Stewart. Three first names. Craig yeah. Stewart Howard. Uh, um, is that a passed down name? Um, it is not. I was adopted by my stepfather in nineteen seventy six, and that's and then we took his name. That's you were pretty old to be adopted. Yes, I was uh, seven. It was my mother had four boys, mm -hmm. and uh, she remarried, which I've been told is like the sale of the century. Um, she, my, she was a, a legal secretary. My father was an attorney, and my stepfather. I call him my father. My stepfather was an because attorney. because it's a dude taking on a chick and four guys. Yeah, right. Four <laughs> big boys, and he's he's five nine, and we were all six. <laughs> six foot and above. Are or you, we grew to be six foot. Are there above. brothers bigger than you? Yeah, I have three brothers that were bigger than I am. Okay, so Jeez. you're the little one. Yes, I was the smallest of four boys. Holy shit. Okay, <laughs> go on. So so he Yeah, so he uh so he took on the the package and and still married to my mother and both still alive living in North Carolina. No Retired, shit. Retired, yeah. And he and he and he put all of us through college as well. Wow, what a great guy. Oh yeah. He's an amazing man. Um, and and w what city was that in? Um, that was in San Jose, California. Okay, so you're a Bay Area native. Yes. Um, well, I, I was born in Massachusetts, but raised in in Bay Area. Apparently, your mom immediately came out here. Yeah, my my birth father, my real father, moved us out when we were young. Aren't you so glad you're raised on the West Coast? Yes. Well, you were. Yes, in. Am, I, am I we gonna get like a <laughs> email? No, but I just I, the, the rockets were just in here, and like you know, like I love visiting New York City, and I love right. the East Coast, and there's beautiful places. And I shouldn't even say the East Coast, but just when I drive there, I just feel like it's a foreign country, like Jersey or New York specifically, like all the fucking tolls and the weird it, roads. It and is the, just and like the that. gas stations that are, it feels like just like the mob runs it. Right. It's like what the fuck is going on here? So I was in the investment business for many years, and uh, would go to New York once every three months on business and 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 then and then those the new york guys would come out and they would get transferred offices out here but they wouldn't stay very long they don't they prefer new york and the east coast and i always found that so strange yeah they'd come out for a year or two and they're like oh, i gotta get back man I, I need to have i need to be able to get the best soup in the world at two in the morning you know well <laughs> you know Maybe, maybe, maybe they just love uh, shoveling snow. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. I mean, it, you, you know, at, at 24, when when your whole life revolves around alcohol, New York City is pretty cool because you yeah, can drink 24 hours a day, right? Or you, you, or when your life revolves around meeting women or men. great food, lots of people, latest fashions, right. Best music. I mean, just all that stuff. It's it really does start in New York and then goes everywhere else. Oh, you said you you were in investment banking, or you are? I was. I I. I I quit in 2014. What is investment banking? Um, and so I was in investment research in the investment banking world. And investment banking is um, is investing in companies that are typically um, pre-public, so they haven't gone public, with the intention of taking them public. IPOs. IPOs. And that's oh. So you get in right before the company goes through puberty. Yeah, you get in right before the company goes through puberty. But uh, now I worked in in 
and sold. I, I worked for what we call the sell side. There's the buy side and the sell side. And I don't know how technical you no, want to get. No, let's do it. This is <laughs> the show's about me learning shit. Yeah. So <laughs> the the buy side are the guys that invest, and it's the the mutual fund companies, the um, uh, the in, in private investment managers. Um, it also includes uh, um, venture capitalists and venture funds. Those are guys that they call that the buy side because they're always buying stuff. Um, the sell side are the guys that want their business, um, uh, like a Goldman Sachs or a uh, Morgan Stanley, or in, in the case of I worked for a firm that was the first electronic exchange, Instanet. Um, and, that, um, and what we would do is go to these firms and try to get them to do their business with us. Ah, you so you were a, bro a broker. Yeah, essentially a broker or a sales guy that would essentially try to get them to, to trade with us. Okay. Yeah. And how does someone get into that? Um, you, um, you get a, a, a college degree and then you become a broker and you, you go apply to those firms in some capacity. Did yeah. someone get you into that? Um, no, I... Out of college, I had a liberal arts degree and then needed to get a business degree, so I got a master's in business and, and learned about that industry. And Like in school you learned about it? Or? Yeah, in school, in graduate school I learned about it. And so I decided, you know what, I, I, I wanted a job as quick as possible. I wanted to be off the parental teat, if you will, as quick as possible. Why? Um, because it was, you know, it's, so, it, it's a different generation for, well, you, you know, I, I didn't want to be at home. It was, my parents wanted me out, and good on them. They pushed us out the door. Yeah, like, that's get, right. like, get out, no be independent. Like, really? Yeah, I just want to get out of your parents' house, dude. Yes. Oh, shit. Uh, yes. I'm a good Armenian boy out of state. Well, and I grew, I grew up in a loud household. Uh, my mom was tough. <clears throat> And I didn't want to be in that environment anymore. So, were, I, so were, I got a job as a broker. Tough? Are your brothers tough? Yeah, they are. And being my, the youngest, was there a lot of? Like, I wasn't the youngest. I was no. the third youngest. I was the smallest. Okay. My younger brother was is uh, um, um, he's now fifty, but he played in the NFL for eleven years. Boy, yes. there must have been some crazy eleven years. As a nose tackle, no less. He's a big kid. So there must have been some pretty intense fights in the house. Yes. <laughs> so we were all about two to four years apart. And if you know brothers, if you guys know brothers, yeah, yeah we went at it. And and we're we're close, but I mean we were and we were close at you know especially after college you get yeah you realize oh okay this guy's cool yeah yeah and we were all good would, friends. would there be one brother that was kind of the peacekeeper he tried to always break up the fights yeah, yes that's the oldest brother okay and he was the the kind of the babysitter and he used to use he used to use this technique with the the, the knuckle and oh. he'd drive it into our oh. thigh to break you Cause, up yeah because both parents worked all the time so he had to break us up and he'd just drive i mean he would he used physical violence to keep us apart from each other i had i had an older sister and we didn't we needed a third yeah <laughs> yeah because we fought a lot yeah he was the it always started off fun uh-huh we would start wrestling and then shit just got sideways right and I, I needed someone to break it up. But that's part. I think it's 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 health, like it never got unhealthy, right? To no, to the point where I didn't go to the hospital. Abused. No. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, right. But it was. I look back on it fondly. The, the the day I could beat my sister up, my my dad told me we could no longer fight. Right. The right. first fight I won, I was in the eighth grade. Yeah. She was a sophomore, junior in high school. Right. I fucking won. I'm like, holy shit, I got this. <laughs> I just needed to let go. And what? my dad's like, no more. Did yeah. you make her cry? I did a punch her in the face. What the fuck? Oh, it's kind yeah. of a, it's kind of a cheap shot in the brother and sister yeah. realm, or in the bro or even in the yeah. sibling realm. Did you guys punch in the face? No. 
Yeah. Never. I was like, all right, enough of this shit. And I punched her in the face. That's unforgivable. <laughs> um, it's not even in my awareness, investment banking, right. like that whole, the stock market, like right. that whole, like, and especially at that age, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even entered my, it seems like a foreign land to me. It's like an alien landscape. I'd be more comfortable going to a village in Africa and making a documentary. You know what I mean? It's just yes. like, um, yeah, it is, um, uh, it, it's, it's exciting and it becomes addictive. Um, I started as a broker, then moved into management and then moved into wholesaling and then moved over from the retail side where you, you know, retail, what they call retail is when you're dealing with mom and pops and, mm. and, and I worked for mutual fund companies that, that sold to investment firms that worked with mom and pops. And then I moved over to the, what they call the institutional side where we're only working with, um, mutual fund companies, investment companies, venture companies, and those types of things. And, um, at that point, then it's, it's all about, um, who's the smartest guy in the house. And Analy yeah, analytically, analytically, yes, these guys, are, they're some of the smartest people I've ever met and they know a lot about a lot of things. I'm more like, I always tell people this, I'm more like the Florida Everglades. I'm seven miles wide, but only a foot deep. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yeah. telling Matt. <laughs> I was just telling Matt and the Rockets about a cousin of mine. He got his he got a perfect score in the SAT. He went to Stanford full ride scholarship, got his PhD in nuclear physics, and went straight from there into the stock market. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Straight straight yeah. in. So I don't get, think he went there, but he did he he did he, he, he done did it. He you done go, did you, good stuff. You go, got good. We would go to biotech firms mm -hmm. and a, the, a, a good number of the portfolio managers and analysts were MDs that were huh. really, really smart. And they got a little taste of hospital medicine and patient medicine. They're like, ah, this is not for me. I think I'll go work for I'm gonna use investment. This, Can we use this for this big brain? And it's a lot of Nostradamus shit, right? Like yeah. just trying to see the future of That's what? That's right. And and they dig what was what was really cool about the last part of my career, what I was doing, I was in investment research. And what we would do was partner with uh, independent research guys. So Joe Schmo, that's, uh, uh, you know, great stories are, you know, we had a retail investment firm that would essentially, he had a call center that would call all of the stores and build relationships with store managers and ask them, just call them. And he had a team of women that would do this. Hey, how are you doing this month? Good. How are sales going? Good. What's it look like for next month? Oh, it's good. Has traffic been good? And they would and get all the pertinent data. He he would package that information. And it was legal? Like, yes, as long as you stayed within a parameter yes, they were, Yeah, you could. There were certain questions that, okay. and they store for, say, like a Radio Shack. And, and from that, he would compile all that data and, and use it for analysis and then go to the hedge funds and say, hey, buy my data, I'll, I'll publish it to you once a month. And they'll say, well, how are you getting the data? He goes, I've got call centers and I've got relationships with all these stores. You tell me, and they say, okay, can you do Best Buy? Can you do Radio Shack? Can you do uh, Target? And he'd be like, yeah, I can. And he would produce reports. And so I from love that, it. oh. I fucking love you, it. You, it's, uh, it's not quite Vulture. It's not, I don't no, think it's Vulture. It's right on the edge. There's right, guys, right. Uh, Ross, Ross Smith Energy Group, these guys, I loved them. They were all reservoir engineers. They're 
energy guys and all what's really cool about this and i don't know how interesting this is going to be for your listeners keep talking yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so oil data um oil and gas data um, must be made public so if you own an energy company and you go drill in in watsonville and you pump oil out of the ground you have to report it to the state either sometimes to this to the county or and to the state Mm -hmm. Um, and that data is compiled and kept there um, so if you have a new find, you drill a test well and some huge find comes in, you have to publish that to the state, but the state doesn't publish beyond that. And what Ross Smith Energy Group would do is they would compile that data. So they would go around to all of the different states, uh, countries, and compile that information. So if Conoco Phillips says, hey, we've just, we're going to have a great quarter because we've got this huge find in the Balkan shale, um, it's going to produce tons amount, uh, a ton of oil. The, the guy, the investment manager, would say, "Well, let me check." And he'd call Ross Smith Energy Group, and they go, "Well, not really. We pulled all their data. Here's what they're doing on this well, this well, and this well, and this ah. well." And they'd extrapolate. <laughs> These guys, when oil took off in, when was it in? Uh, let me see, like 2000 to 2005, oil really skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. These guys just, they made it, Ross Smith Energy Group, independent research company made a killing, and they were, and, and everybody had to have their reports. Well, why did you get out 2014? Um, I was burnt out. Um, I'd been in it a lot of years, in and around trading. And, uh, is, it 20, and, is it 24-7? Yeah, um, yeah, it is. You're, you're constantly in touch with clients. You've got to stay abreast of the markets. You have to stay abreast. For me, as a research sales guy and de- de- building these relationships I had to I, you know I had to know a little bit about everything mm-hmm. and I was just getting burned out I was uh, 40 something years old and decided you know what I want to pursue my passion I want to do something and Diablo had gotten to the point where it could support um, my family barely did you play sport <laughs> did you play sports in high school um, I did I played uh, water polo all my brothers played football oh, I played yeah, water that's polo. Right. yeah yeah and uh, you're not too big for water polo? No, I was a goalie. Can you be too big, Matt? No. 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 Tall no. goalies. Is yeah. he little for water polo? No, he's good. He's like a, he, he plays one of the front guys. He's a fast swimmer, Did probably. Did you guys play each other? <laughs> <laughs> no, I started out like when I was in high school, it was a whole set, and I became a driver. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And what high school did you go to? Bellarmine in San Jose. Oh yeah. And then from there, and, and so you were—that—that's a fucking cardiovascular right nightmare sport. Yes. So you, so you had engine your whole life. Yes. Or not your whole life, but you—you you yeah, worked, you worked on a, building an engine your whole I, life. I did. And then from high school, what did you, what did you do? I went to uh, Gonzaga University up in Spokane, Washington. Did which, you play? No, I didn't play any. Uh, you know what I did? I did, I skied on their ski team there, but I wasn't wow. good. I was a B. I was B team. So and the A team is the guys that score, and the B team guys go along and race and don't score. That's awesome. That's like being on the golf team. Uh, it doesn't it matter is, if you're good or not. You get to go out and play. It's the same principle. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And you um, are you injury free in your in your high school in your college? Yes. And, yes. and what are you doing the weight room at all? Are you doing bench press? Yes, I was uh, I was in the weight room and in high school. About my sophomore year is when I got into the weight room. A uh, lap pull down machine or pull ups? Oh yeah, lap pull down machine. Pull down machine. And the like. Uh, I know. I look back and go, dang it. The leg press. <laughs> yes. The, I, you know, I, 
I don't I don't use a lap pull down machine, but like I'll, I but but if I was somewhere and there was one, I will give it a full few pulls. <laughs> <laughs> right, I even I even like to like put in, I I mean you I don't know if you because you're so big, but like I would make the stack so fucking heavy you couldn't pull it down, so you just knock off a few pull ups too. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Like yeah. it was awesome. I loved it. There was always that fear that the cable was gonna snap though. Yeah, I was never like a hundred percent comfortable. I mean. And, yeah, you and never it are. Kill, and it would and, kill you, right? And, and I had enough time in the, the gym to where I saw it happen, right? Or should, bad shit yeah. happen like that? Yeah, where I saw cables break. Because mm. we I spent a lot of time in Gold's gyms lifting weights. So you're in. So you're. So you're a. You're a, a weightlifting athletic kid. Yes. And you're smart. Yes, I guess. Did you get good Thank grades? Um, I did okay. Um, I was a BC student. Okay, but but you went to college. Yes. And then you finished college. Mm -hmm. And when do you start picking up this old man sport of triathlons? Um, I didn't start that until I moved to um, Austin, Texas, um, which was in nineteen. 99 i started in my 40s and are you gonna do are you is your first one just to say hey i just want to just say i did one yes it was it, it totally was it was a the sprint triathlon and i'm like hey that's this cool and i had swimming back when you have swimmers that can run or usually end up trying a triathlon and so are you still into biking today no i don't bike as i mountain bike okay you, you like a bicycle. Yeah, I like a, I like I a bicycle because I'm a big guy. And, and the, mm -hmm. so, for example, on triathlons, biking's going to be my thing, right? Because you, your mass is on, a, on wheels, and it's a little easier for you to pass people. I love a bike. Yeah, I enjoy mountain biking. By the way, I'm impressed that you knew um, the city of Watsonville. <laughs> I guess you grew up in San Jose, but man. Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, strawberries and so artichokes. That's castor oil. Oh, you be, you, <laughs> when you when you become uh, you're into being a triathlete. You've been playing sports your whole life. You you do you remember this this muscle and fitness magazine? Were you traveling? Yeah, it was men's journal, and I got it at an airport. I, yeah, it probably was an airport because I was traveling a lot. It probably was. And then you read that article. And at this time, you're living in Austin, Texas. And one of the thing that enticed me about it, the article that was written, and I've looked for it, I haven't been able to find it online, was that Eric will find it. That it <clears throat> that it stated that you only needed 15 to 20 minutes to work out. And coming from the triathlon world, where you spend hours, mm. hours, you know, biking, swimming, all by yourself, I was uh, I was ready to um, be in and around my family. Had you yeah. got any injuries yet from triathlon, from no. running or biking? No, so no you're none of the yeah, none of the calf. You injuries stayed healthy. Either, so I stayed healthy. And then so um, you dabbled in some CrossFit while you were in Austin. Yes, but not briefly. an affiliate. No, just at a global gym. Just yeah, I, did, I would I would run to the gym uh, an hour away, and then I would I would do a CrossFit workout and run home. Holy shit, that's yeah. cool. That's hardcore. At the time, I was, you know, because, of, but for triathletes, that's no big deal. We have triathletes at our gym that still do that. They'll run five miles to Diablo and train and then run home. Insane. Couldn't, couldn't pay me to do that. Right? <laughs> and then, God, if those guys, you should try to fuck those guys up <laughs> so they can't run home. They got to Uber home. Right, so my goal it, is that you will run Uber. And, and, you, and you know what's hard with endurance athletes? Because we were, the East Bay up where we are has a lot of triathletes. Right. It's mm -hmm. the, the, some, of the, some of the biggest names apparently in the business come from there. Um, the is that they, the is, is, yeah, they can. Yep. Is uh, they're good at pacing. 
and mm. it's and it's it's almost ingrained in them, and it's very hard to get them to understand intensity and push themselves to that that breaking point. They they want to pace every workout. Intensity is a trippy thing as you get older. You know, I got on the assault bike the other day, and I had some friends, and I'm 46, and I had some friends over who had never been on the assault bike who didn't do CrossFit, and I said, "Hey guys, we're gonna um, do this workout." There were four of us there. Four of us. Two of us were CrossFitters. Two of us weren't. I said, we're going to ride the assault bike as hard as you can for 10 calories, and then you're going to wait your turn till everyone goes through, and then you're going to do it again, and you're going to go 10 times. And I had done the workout with two people, and it was vomitous. It was horrible, right? Yeah. So we did it with four assault people, bike. and they're new people, and I thought, okay, you know, 10 calories isn't that much. They, they're, they were both over 40. They don't, they don't want to let go. Yes. Like, um... Uh, that has to be cultivated. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Even 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 on something as safe as the assault bike, mm-hmm. there is a little bit of. They look like they had the same fear that I have of why I stepped down from box jumps. Yeah. You I know what I mean? That. Like yes, I'm I like, all right, I'm cool jumping up, but I'm stepping down. I'm not cool. doing fifty of these. Oh, that's right. exactly. It's like letting go. Like that's that's a hard. It's a hard thing to do. With. And especially intensity. the older, older you, longer you wait. And, right? I, I, and I would so. even make the argument with compared to like ten years ago in CrossFit, it's just it's not it's approached differently now. That's right. Well, ten years ago, were the early adopters, they were I think more extreme H-M4. and willing to to do that. And the, the, now that we're a little further up in the tree, um, and we're getting the fruit that's a little higher up, they're a little more reluctant to push past that discomfort. Right. Right. They have to learn it. Yes. They didn't come there to do that. You came there to get your ash beat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, we all came there to get our ash beat. That's right. And it's this, the same is true with strength training is getting people to understand what uh, what m- a max effort or an 80% effort or 90% effort is. And so people, well, yeah, I kind of know what my one rep max is. I said, okay, look, just think about this. This is the eyeball popping weight. I mean, when you feel like your eyeballs are going to pop out of your head, I go, that's the weight I'm looking for. <laughs> as, 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 as 90%? Yes, as 90%. Yeah. Like, I want them to feel like, right, that, that, that push. That, and it's hard to get people to that. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, it's it hard to get people to that. Yeah. It's hard. But it produces results. Yep. Yeah, it does. Uh, adaptation. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got a couple things. I need to get out of here. Okay, go. Sorry. How how are you not on the radio? <laughs> like, you know, oh, you I, mean like he should be with Sean Woodland? No, oh, I mean like nice. I I mean when we would drive to uh, Mammoth to go skiing as a child. Right. We would drive after my mom got out of school. She taught, and then KNX 1070 was like the news radio. Right. And at night they would have these like stories that they would like. They were like nighttime, like they were like fireside chats or something like that. And this guy had this booming voice. And I'm like that. That like that's you. Oh, how nice! I, <laughs> I I do Facebook lives for our community, and people keep bugging me to do podcasts for Diablo. And the wives really like them. you. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible voice. How nice! Thank you, Matt. Matt. Enjoy yeah. the wedding. It's yeah. the re- it's the rehearsal. It's gonna be a little weird. There's gonna be like a weird energy change when you. Yeah, Eric, you want to come sit over here? It's gonna be a weird yeah. energy change. Hey, there. Someone, Matt, over. Good to see you. You. Thank you, Matt, for working oh. almost a full day. Oh, shit. It's full half day Friday, right? I think Craig has something for you. Hold on. Yeah, I do. Sorry, I have a shirt for you, Matt. Oh. Awesome. Hey, I dare you to wear that at the wedding. All right. I'm not going to have time stuff at my house. Medium or large? Large. 
Good. I have one. Are you gonna wear that to the rehearsal? Sure. Oh, that's awesome. Good. I expect to see it on Instagram. Good, that's awesome. All right, done deal. Bam. See you. See you. You dabble in it at at, at, a, at a global gym. Yes. Um, your first workout's Murph. Yes. You, you use a treadmill. Uh, no, I ran. Um, so I did my one mile run to the gym. Oh, right. Yeah. And then knocked out the stuff. Yeah. Did you always know it was for time? Or when you would see the workouts, did you used to just do them like, like a bodybuilding? No, I, I knew it was important to have time because I followed the, and I went to the CrossFit blog and you could see people posting results okay. on the, They're on the CrossFit blog. Yeah. And then from there, you, you still haven't gone to an affiliate? No. And you, there were none in Texas at that time. And how long did you do, how long did you do it there without going to an affiliate? Uh, about six months before yeah. I moved to Walnut Creek. Okay, and you know it's funny that um, Carrie Peterson and I—that's what we did. We okay. found it in uh, e either 2005 or 2006, probably yeah. or either late 2005 or early 2006, and that's what we did. We just we learned all. You know, you tried to see the little thumbnail videos. Do you remember yes. those? Yes. You're scouring the internet, oh, yeah. um, looking for um, instructional content, and the you know the journal was everything. And you went to the site every day, and we did the workouts. Yes. But for a long time, we didn't even know that there, you would time them. So, like, we would do Fran. You would do 11 oh, thrusters. Okay. I'd yeah. do 11 thrusters. We'd go drink some water. Right. Just learning the movements. Um, and then, so then, why did you move from Austin back to San Jose, um, back to California? My, primarily because of my daughter, I told the company I was working for that if an opportunity came up in San Francisco, my wife's family is from here and lives here, and we have their only granddaughter Ah. So they, uh, my company said, yeah, absolutely, head out there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. And so you moved back out here? Yep. You found Jeremy Jones? Yes. And you guys started doing CrossFit at a park? Yeah, we started it. He was doing it in his backyard, and then we immediately went to a park and started doing it. And it would, literally, he and I would show up at 6 in the morning. And this is pre-Rogue? <laughs> pre yes. And so you had to find bumper plates. Yeah, bumper plates, all that stuff. Do you remember where you got your first bumper plates? Um, we did, I believe, high temp in Alabama. They were already around. Yes. Okay. Uh, but Jer uh, you know what? I, a correction. Jeremy had some. Alico or? Yeah, no, they were, but they were the harder plastic rubber bumpers. Uh huh. You know those stiffer ones. The yeah. again, like like the again fast. I want to say again faster were the ones, and that's what we had. And you, and it was just the two of you. Just the two of us. And two strange dudes meet in the park and work out. Yes. And um, finally, how long did that go on before you were like, "Hey, man, we need a space"? Um, that was about uh, three months before we decided we needed a space. And you had heard about these things called affiliates. Yes. But you still hadn't been to one. That's correct. Did you open one without ever even going to one? Yes. Oh, um, hang on a second. I went to I went and got my L one. Okay. And so I went to Greg's gym. Oh, in Santa Cruz. In Santa Cruz. Um, and that was my only experience with an affiliate. Did you need an L one back then to open an affiliate? Yes. Okay. Yes. To open enough to affiliate in that. And uh, that's when the classes were three days long. Yes, we did Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Nicole Carroll and Annie Sakamoto were my were coaches there at that time. And did Greg give all the lectures? Yes, all of them. And um, they were amazing, weren't they? Yes, I was blown away. And then they 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 beat you down. Yes, and I thought I was a badass because I was kind of buffed and I was fit from triathlons, and I had done a little bit of CrossFit. 
and I got smoked. We did Fran and Fight Gone Bad. And when we did Fight Gone Bad the next day, I literally was kind of had tremendous anxiety about doing Fight Gone Bad because I had done Fran and was just so humbled by it. And then I saw everybody in class doing it. I'm like, I'm doing this. And went out way too hard on the rower. I remember that too. Even the even the breakout groups to this day, as mellow as they are, yes, they'll they'll put a. I redid it last year, the L one last year, and it was an awesome experience. Funny story: Nicole and Greg Glassman came and spoke for an hour at my L one up at United Barbell, or not United, but up in um, oh in Oakland. Oh, at. Um, um, okay. Oh, that's a nice gym there. Yes, it's a great gym. Um, right across from the Whole Foods in Oakland. Though. Yes. What a trippy... Um, it's on the corner there. Who owns that gym? Um, Does Kim uh, James, Bos- James Kusama. Does um, Kim Bosman teach there? Or did I she? don't know, but I, I know James, and he's okay. a good dude. Yeah, that's a cool fucking spot. It was spot. a great gym, and it was unbelievable that they walked in, and did, I had no idea. And I was just... My L1 had expired, and I... You know, hadn't done L2, so I said, you know what, I'm going to go do it. Hey, man, you're on the same energy as them. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys talking about Pacific Strength? Yes, Pacific yeah. Strength in uh, Oakland. So you open your own gym. Yes. And what? And your goals are strictly just a place for you and Jeremy to work out? Yeah, you, me and Jeremy to work out, and uh, me, Jeremy, and Rob Barnum at the time. He was on briefly, and then he, he, he bailed out because he needed money for his uh, production business, movie production business. But it was solely just to get people together to do the workouts. We really didn't have membership and growth online. We put out a, and this is the truth, and is a, a karma jar. And we told people, if you come in and work out, you know, leave some cash, help pay for expenses. Because um, I was working full-time. Jeremy was working full-time as an engineer. And Who had keys to the gym? Um, he and I did. And then we gave keys to these two kids that were recent high school graduates that loved it. Um, Rick Heilman, who ended up going to work for uh, Jason Kalipa, and Josh Jorgensen, who still works for us part-time. Um, no yeah. shit. And he was so he's been, eight, known him 17, 17, he was 17 years old when he started with us. And then we gave them keys, and they would close it up, and they would coach classes from time to time. So you have clients that have been in the game 10 years. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So And then and then from there, where do you take the business? What are you guys thinking? You guys open this gym, and are so, you thinking, holy shit, this is going to take off? Or, tooth, oh, we don't like and this what happened or? was it's, when we started putting up the blog, and CrossFit started – uh, being more internet visible, and I th- and I think I cor- uh, you can correlate it to the growth of social media. It, people just it started to overwhelm us. You know, we were the only one in the Walnut Creek area, so people would come. They join classes. We're getting full. We we're having to do classes half in and half out. And Jeremy, did you did you on ramp people back then? Yes, we did. Uh, um, we did a uh, on ramp class. I mean, they would do a group class. From the beginning. From the beginning. And why did you do that? How did you know that was important? Well, uh, I shouldn't say from the beginning when we started d- taking memberships. Okay. Right. Um, so in Karma Jar J days, not so much getting where you fit in. That's but if, right. But if you're really going to charge like... Yes, money and memberships, we, we, we built an on-ramp. And we did that because people would come to us with no experience. And you would start seeing some crazy shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had, uh, we also had, and we changed that. We, we we used to do a free class, and the free class was whatever the workout of the day was. And 
that lasted until we had a serious case of rhabdomyolysis when someone came in and did it and just crushed the workout. You get, yeah, you, right? You get a triathlete in there. You, well, that's right. A weekend warrior. And this yeah. kid was a, a jiu-jitsu guy. By the way, he owns an affiliate today in Indonesia. Awesome. CrossFit Equator. He was awesome. seven days in the hospital. And he just overdid it on the squats. Oh, that's scary. It was really scary. They did the... And, it, and it, the hospital didn't understand his situation either. Um, Bryant Panji, great guy. And we... What it, what it, that's the, the perfect storm for Rabdo. That's is right. Someone who has an amazing engine, a fucking unstoppable fucking will. Yes. And does any movements that they're not familiar with, you, that they're not accustomed to. Any, any eccentric movement where there's a, in this case it was overhead squats where you're slowing the descent or jumping pull-ups where there's an eccentric. Right. We found that eccentric movements tend to accelerate that process but usually it's someone who's who's S super fit can, has capacity capacity thank you okay yes. i just want to be very clear with people like if you if you have right. crossfit like hey go in and try it this is not going to happen to no, you no it's yeah. not and especially this is we're talking this is 2000 dinosaur days. Right, right 2008 or something like that and and you're doing it all out of the same this this t this 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 yes. gym that's like a ripped tin can. I just yes. remember your gym. Yeah. And now I see photos of your gym and it's fucking like Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> it's fucking beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's we, awesome. Oh, uh, so it, we we take a lot of pride in that. And in 2009, we moved to Pleasant Hill, um, where we took down 4,000 square feet. And Jeremy Jones decided. Where in Pleasant Hill? Um, right. If you know Pleasant Hill, we're right uh, off the treed exit. Uh, are you um, still there? Yes, we are. Oh, it's so funny. I don't think of that as Pleasant Hill. I, I went to College Park. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, so when I think of Pleasant Hill, I think of it over there. But okay, I know yeah, what yeah, tree yeah. is. It's, so it's, it's really it's, close you know, to the, the border the, of Wonka. The, the new Dick Sporting Good is over there. Um, I haven't been over there. In where the movie theaters were, the big round dome theater yes. was. That's not there anymore? No. they've the yeah. Century 5? Yes, it's gone. Did and they destroy the building? There's the a hubbub. No, the whole building's gone. There's a big hubbub about that because it was considered somewhat of a landmark. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right. Wow. So you fucked that up. Yeah, we did. Noted. Craig Howard Please. ruined my yeah. movie theater I went to as a little kid. <laughs> um, you're in that area. Yeah, we're right. Montgomery we're, Ward we're, was there. Yeah, there's a, there, we're right down the street from there. Okay. Like literally 400 meters. And that gym is still there? Yes. And that was your first one after 4, the 4,000 square feet, now 12,000 square feet. Is this it? Yeah, that's it. And you have multiple locations. Yes, we have one in San Jose. We've had as many as four locations. You and now you have two. Yeah, now I have two. You opened one in Benicia. Yes. Because I remember, because my mom went to a gym there, and she said there's a new gym coming here. You and were you actually you were actually got the name CrossFit Benicia. Yes. Yeah, and, that was. and it was uh, one of our members, uh, Craig Moore, wanted to was commuting from Benicia and having to go back and forth. But he goes, he said he wanted to open one up, and we said, okay, we'll partner with you. And uh, and we did, and that gym still exists. I. I gave that to Jeremy in the buyout deal that we did. So Jeremy's the partner now with Craig Moore. Are you the sole owner of Diablo CrossFit? With my wife, yes. Wow. Yes. Are you... A lot of people go in together. Do you wish from the beginning you wouldn't have had a partner? N I, we couldn't have done... I couldn't have done it without a partner. Gotcha. Could not have done it without a partner. Okay. And it's a shared responsibility. And it is important to... You had someone on here the other day that was had a very successful CrossFit that he sold in the seven figures. Ac Ackerman. Yes. Ackerman. Really good podcast, and I really enjoyed hearing him. But it, one of the things that he did that we didn't do was kind of delineate right up front, you know, how things are going to break up. 
So it made it a little more challenging at the end when we decided to part ways as to you know who's going to get what, how much is it going to be worth, that kind of stuff. And uh, but we we made it through. It was about a six month process to get through that, but we made it through that. And I would say have those things. And the reason is that we went into it not with the idea of making money. We went into this as like we love this. Let's share this with the world. Let's get more people fit through CrossFit. Let's, and then as it started to grow, okay, we can turn this into a business, membership business. And for me, it was like a side job because I was working. Right. And uh, But we never thought about the exit strategy. I still don't think about an exit strategy. I don't think about when am I going to sell Diablo CrossFit, and, which is contrary to the world I was coming from, the investment world where everything's about what's your exit strategy. Yes. I would go out to have beers with these guys and like, what's your exit strategy? I'm like, what does it even mean? Why would you think about exiting yes. your business? How can you be passionate about it? And it was, and I get it now. I get it more. Um, but I enjoyed listening to him talk about that. How do you know when to go from the tin can to a place that's a reputable establishment? Greg, we we took a lot of cues from um, from Coach Glassman. One of his tenets was when you start getting complaints from your customers that the classes are too crowded is when you need to expand, but let them complain. Um, and we would let them complain. Uh, we did experience a moment of irrational exuberance in 2000. 12 to 2013 when it was it was literally going nuts i mean our gym we couldn't we didn't 20 30 people would be in our free class people would join i had no idea who was joining who was staying who was leaving we really didn't understand the metrics there were no chris coopers and we did you have software that helped you manage this we did we used the traditional software in our case was it is and it was and is a mind body to to manage the memberships but we didn't look at the numbers the numbers weren't important to us it was you know can we pay our bills yes can you pay your coaches yes all right great and you pay the rent great then they keep going right and so we expanded and you're still working your other job at this time yes it was okay and so I was handling the kind of the personnel management and the uh, financial side of things. Jeremy was doing the coaching and the, the all of the uh, programming and the blog. And so it worked out perfectly. We kind of balanced those things. Um, but we decided to expand when classes got too big. And then we started overlapping classes, similar to what they do in at New York, where you run a class on the half hour and you start another class half an hour later. And uh, and then we um, expanded into more space, and then we opened up a location in Alamo, thinking Alamo is a higher net worth town. We went into a retail space. We paid up for the rent, an exorbitant amount per a dollar per square foot, and thought that would take off, and that didn't. That was very slow going. Um, and and so and that was about 2015 when we realized, oh, it's kind of things are. People aren't running in the doors anymore. Right. We had to... Um, what was different about Diablo and well, and Pleasant Hill versus Diablo and Alamo? I would think there'd be great clientele there. It, there, um, it is an endurance community. Okay. Um, it is a... Um, it is a more... The demographic is different. It's an older demographic. Right. And uh, kinder, gentler. And that's where we started our CrossFit light classes was in Alamo to help, you know, introduce folks to CrossFit gently. And it 
it really uh, um, initially was a little bit of a um, it was um, it was foreign to us because we were used to the kind of the gritty younger Pleasant Hill Walnut Creek Concord uh, communities that would come to our gym and so we had to we we had to make changes with respect to our class offerings and make it a little you know a little longer a little more time with folks in the on-ramp and that's uh, that that Alamo location led to us doing one-on-one on-ramps which helped people get ready for class. Do you still have that location? No, the lease expired in January of this year and we shuttered the doors. And most of those members that are there moved to our Pleasant Hill location. Oh, that's cool. And it was because of the rent? Yes. It, it was... So 3,000, 30, about 3,500 square feet paying almost $14,000 a month. Wow, okay. It's, um, it's funny... Uh, uh, Rhonda and Sean Rocker were in here, and they're they're uh, original members of CrossFit New England, Ben Bergeron and yes. Heather's Gym, and they were showing me a picture of some people in their gym, and they've been at the gym I guess for ten years or however mm-hmm. long it's been open, and they were saying that basically as Ben and Heather get older, the clientele's gotten older, yes. and that's just a correlation. But I wonder if just like the clientele in CrossFit in general has become just more diverse. It, it's it's both. Um, we have. We, we have, um, or well, in cities and in the United States, we have a population is aging, right? Baby boomers dominate, and the baby boomers now are not in their 30s anymore. Now they're in their 50s, and so we have an aging population. Um, our they're mem- older than that, aren't they? Yeah, or- yeah. Now the baby boomers yeah. are what 60, and the, right. I think at the yeah. bottom is 50. I think the, the oh, really? 50 is the bottom last okay. of the baby okay. boomers. Okay, when I think of baby boomers, I think of my mom. Um, she's 74. Right. But, but you're saying it goes down a little. Yeah, bit. maybe it does. Are you, are you a baby boomer? Um, I'm 55, and I think I'm the the tail end. I might be the tail end. Okay. That's that's like 1950s back then. Oh, is it? Is it? The, is that the end of it? So um, yeah, the beginning. The beginning of it. Yeah. Right. Is 1950s to like 1964 or something, and I'm 62. Okay. Um, 1962 was the year I was born. I'm not 62 years old. Right. Just to clarify. You don't look 62 yet. Yeah, thank you. So, um, so, so uh, in to, general, to pop- clarify, it's 1946 to 1964, based on. Oh, oh shit! That's a huge swath. Yeah. 46 Dude. to 64. It's the largest. It's the pig through the python, and it's the in our in terms of our you know if you look at the. The, the bell curve of our population that's in there and they're now getting older i like that pig cool. through the python so we need a we that's why we need self-driving cars by the way because there's too many baby oh the largest percentage of our population is freaking 60 70 years old isn't the graveyard like capital of california in your hood <laughs> yeah. Where, what's the name of that town um the that's right outside Walnut Creek. Oh yeah, it's Rossmore. Rossmore. Yes. They got more more buried than standing or something. <laughs> they do, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that area is. Um... But for for our community, yes, and I think because my wife and I are masters athletes, and and we we tend to attract, um, we have a good masters community at Diablo. And. Um, what year did you win the games? In 2013. And what was the age group? It was 50 to 54. And do you have aspirations to do something similar again? Um, it's in the back of my mind, but it's not a priority. Um, well, b- back uh, of your mind, what does that mean? Well, it, 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 I didn't, I had small nagging injuries. I had a lot of business stuff that was distracting me this year, and I didn't want I wasn't able to, or I reluctantly, or I subconsciously did not apply the time 
and uh, necessary to do it. And it's harder. You have to you have to hit your CrossFit hard. You have to do a lot of accessory work. Your nutrition has to be on point. Um, accessory work. Does everyone have to do that, or yes. do masters athletes? Have to no, do? no, everyone. Well, I think everyone. You you either uh, accessory work by that I mean train your weaknesses. Okay. Um, gymnastics and so strength when you, training. I was gonna say so when you're done with your workout and you're ready to go home, get out there yes. and do some handstand walks. Yeah, precisely. Okay. You have to do that stuff, and I wasn't. I didn't desire to to do that at all. I enjoy class a great deal. How, how old are you again? Sorry. I'm 55 now. And how long do you have to warm up before you're safe to let the wheels come off the bus? Let's say in a workout like uh, Helen. It's been the biggest, that's been the hardest thing for me because in I used to, especially when I started CrossFit, there was no warm up. Just and we, we literally would just go. But today, it's it's a good 30 to 45 minutes. I have to come before class and get started warming up. And, and, and hard warm-up. Yes. Hard work, right? Yeah, you got to do vigorous warm-up. You do. Um, i got to get the engine bump in to all the blood to all the parts. And Do you ever trip when you wake up in the morning and you're like, holy fuck, I can't believe this same body that I'm waking yes. up with now stumbling into the kitchen does what it does at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? What I'm finding is what I've discovered about aging because of my daughter she she goes through growth spurts you know the change in eyesight happened suddenly then you know all of a sudden I couldn't get up in the morning and and slip my socks on I have to I, I lay on the bed now pull my socks on on my back and I and I and all of these things happen so suddenly that I I deduced perhaps that we age like growth spurts the, the growth spurts oh. continue but it's now downhill Right. It comes in spurts. That's why all of a sudden your vision goes, I suspect. I don't know if that's true, but that's how I feel. Over the last two years, from 53 to 55, I've really noticed a difference in my mobility and my, my ability to recover from injury, those types of things. But but at 3 o'clock, you can put your socks on yes. while, oh, yeah. while texting. Right. Right. It's amazing, yes. right? Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's the thing that I... I I, I remember being 39 years old, 37, 39, and realizing j just at that age, holy shit, this, you have to be fit to do, to, you have to really be part of, I'm going to say this and it's going to come out wrong. People are going to get angry, but basically you have to be fit to be able to do CrossFit, but not for the reasons why those, by, why people might take what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you just have to have the capacity, the endurance. So right. you don't have to be fit. You have to have this endurance that gives, allows you to do 30 minutes of warm-up. Yes. So although I was probably never even close to as fit as you, I always have to maintain, if I, if I want to let the wheels come off the bus, if I really want to like be my best, I have to be able to warm up for 30 minutes. Yes. And it's a trip. And it's and people don't realize it's, that it's when a you're bit 25, a, you can't even fathom that, right? No, you can't. And you can't I, I couldn't it. fathom it at 40 when I you know, was starting CrossFit at 45 when I started. But it, that is a deterrent for that population, the 50 and above population, is that is getting an understanding of, oh, I have, I'm way behind, right? Especially if they're deconditioned. Right. We've taken people through it. And, right. And but they can build the capacity. Yes, they can. Yeah, you can, you can win the war. And they can, and then, they, yeah. and then what's cool about the master's athlete <laughs> is they never want to let it go. Right, right, because they've been there, and so they don't, they don't want to go backwards. They don't want to go back to not being able to, you know, move around like they can move around. It took my mom is seventy four. It took her about a year 
before of going religiously wow. before she was able to cross this hump of uh of that kind of fitness to where she felt competent and she was like but it was cool i mean she still got fitter in that year right but so you you open this gym you expand you get a new location you have it's it's you and Jeremy are the two owners the entire yes. time. Yes. Okay. And you're and you, so that's always a management of a personal relationship. Yes. Right. Um, and your lives are changing. He he ends up having some kids or a kid. Yes, he has a he has one son. So um, and um, you have so you have this you had this location you had Alamo and then where was your third location? Um, we have Benicia, and we had one on Martinez that was inside a a sport court type facility of being you know, one of those big you know arena type facilities where they do soccer indoor soccer and all that stuff we had one inside there and today you're just down to diablo diablo in pleasant hill and one in san jose oh tell me when did the one in san jose open up it, we it's been open for your it was moxie crossfit or okay. crossfit moxie in san jose okay and they've been open uh moxie's been open since i think 2000 11 2010 2011 so the owner we, approaches you and is yes, like hey chris, chris mitchell moore was the owner and he said my wife and i are leaving town i got a great job in denver we need to move out of the bay area we want you to take it over wow and i told him i said i'm not i don't have the capacity he says listen it runs itself it's got Uh-oh. it's got positive cash flow. <laughs> 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 it's got positive cash flow it looks like yours you we operate like you everything he goes we want diablo to be the one were you his uh, model were you yes okay yeah so he you knew of him yes you had mentored we him would, a little bit we, yes i did we would go to we'd go to lunch every six months have coffee and how many gyms have you mentored um uh two or three and what's that look like? Someone, it's just people just coming up to you? Yeah, they just ask me, you know, how do we do things? We helped uh, uh, CrossFit Pleasanton, um, and we're actually, we were managing their uh, coaches and, and doing their programming for them for a while. Um, that was a friend of mine, Paul Southern, owned that, and we were, he hired us to basically run that part of it. Is he still, I remember Paul. Yes. He's an awesome dude. Yeah, he's a great dude. Is um still he's still alive? Yes. He, <laughs> he is he still the owner of CrossFit Pleasanton? No, he sold that gym uh two and a half years ago, three years ago he sold it. Um did really well. And runs uh he does he's a precision nutrition coach and does corporate uh wellness and individual pers- uh nutrition coaching and fitness coaching. And who's the new owner? Um a guy by the name of Zoltan. Oh. I just don't know his, uh, I don't know his, Zoltan Heights. Zoltan Heights. I don't know too many people with a name with a Z in it. I know. Zoltan. Is he Russian? He's, uh, he is uh, Slavic. I'm not sure which one. And uh, he he paid up for the gym. And he was a tennis guy, uh, an avid tennis guy, super fit. And he just, he wanted to do it himself. And he awesome. Had, he made an offer to Paul and Paul took it. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. So you have so you've had CrossFit Moxie for a year. Yes. You changed the name to Diablo. We did make it Diablo CrossFit Moxie. The and oh, we were really yeah, nervous. Okay. We were really nervous about that. I, I it wasn't important for me to have our brand on it, but the members kept asking me every time I'd go down there. When are we going to become Diablo? When are we going to become Diablo? And it made me it gave me a real sense of pride for our name, and so we put it Diablo CrossFit Moxie, and they were stoked about it. Why haven't you? Um, why haven't you rebranded your gym the way I've seen some of the other gyms do it, especially gyms that have been as um, 
around as long as you. I mean, a lot right. ha- don't get me wrong, a shitload haven't. Right. The most of them haven't. But um, especially in the Bay Area where some of these older gyms are, I've seen them do it, and you're yeah. you're still sticking with the Diablo CrossFit. Yeah, we are, and we we toyed around with it, um, and uh, and and I think a lot of that happened at a period of time when. People would come to us, especially in 2000, I want to say 2015, 2016, I bet is when many of those gyms did, where people would say CrossFit. Now you just get injured doing CrossFit. You don't hear that as much anymore, by the way. So it was that publicity. Yes. That was was the driver for for most people. Gyms were like, hmm, I still want to do this. I still love CrossFit. Yes. But but this is also a business. I need to put food on my plate. What can I do to sort of... Lure people in. Yes. Okay. We were, I was told that, you know, that there are affiliates that were doing corporate wellness programs couldn't say CrossFit. Okay. And, 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 and that was all built upon, which is why I love the, that CrossFit Legal went after the, was the NSCA oh, and that man. whole, because I, because I think that's where the majority of that stemmed from. Dude, Craig, they are so fucked. Yes. I and, can't. You're and, gonna. You're gonna. You're going it, to Greg's house for dinner tonight, right? Um, yes. Ta- is tonight tacos or that's Sunday? Every, no, I'm every, going on Sunday. Every, every night's tacos. <laughs> every night. Well, maybe maybe even tonight or tomorrow we'll go over there. But when you yeah. hear this, have you heard the nitty gritty of this? Um, I will. It, the they've heard, done the, some the retraction. horrible yes, shit. Yes, they're, they're awful. Man. I mean, it, and, they've and, done some horrible shit, and the judge knows it. And, and it, w- w- I, it, you start to tell people and their you know their eyes roll okay right. and they, and, they, and you can't you know for example our community if I start to say these things it it doesn't come across right right um, but I'm so proud of that it, it just makes me feel so good because you know I like you I hate copycats and and I despise the fact that they were really trying to undermine. You know, small business owners in general, it's hard enough. You know, it's one of the things I've learned since 2014 being out of the corporate world is how many obstacles we have to overcome. Yeah, you're not attacking CrossFit. You're attacking 15,000 small business owners around the world. And then trying to get the states to legislate against these guys who, you know, if I had to send all my trainers to get certified of state certification, I mean, they literally were, were about to shut us, you know, or, you know, states were threatening to shut down. Gyms like, especially gyms like CrossFit. Early on, I said to Greg, I said, "Hey, um, when the when the study first came out, and he's like fucking manning all the battleships and getting ready just for a full blown war." I said, "Greg, stupidly, uh, I'm embarrassed." I said, "Hey, what's the big deal? The, the majority of this article says it was great." That CrossFit's amazing and you get better results than any other fitness program. Yes. Who cares about a few injuries if they're lying? He goes, "Sevon, how many children can you molest at your preschool?" <laughs> I said zero. Right. He said, "How many rumors can you have?" I said zero. Right. He goes, "These fucking assholes are planting a fucking seed," and and it and it worked. Yeah. And, and, and it worked for a while. Um, every person would come in. That was the first question they asked. We I saw the emails. I was the info at DiabloCrossFit.com. We'd get it, you know. And it went. For, it was about. It was somewhere around two thousand. Oh, it and makes me so sad. Two thousand. The end of two thousand fourteen to two thousand sixteen was, was the big. Like, I'm going to get injured doing CrossFit. And 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 you and you, but but you didn't rebrand. What were no. some of the ideas you had? Let me see if any were any good. <laughs> um, well, so we have Diablo Fitness Engineering, which was never uh, heard of. We it. sold a <laughs> <laughs> sold equipment. You did a great job for right. that one. And then, but you did sell equipment. Yeah, we did sell equipment. We Do you had, still we sell had, equipment? No. Oh. We had, well, it, technically, if anybody from the city of Pleasant Hill is listening, we do sell equipment still. We refer people out. Plug it in? Yeah, well, because we have to sell equipment as part of our agreement to be in the city of Pleasant Hill. Ah, gotcha. 
Um, so you probably do you have a store a retail shop inside? Yes, place? we do. We have a pro shop, and that is are essentially there drippers in there. Um, yes, there are. Oh, great. Yeah. So there's equipment yourself. Yeah, All right. I got right. it. <laughs> got Ray-Ban knee sleeves. That's equipment. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So yes. you don't, you, you don't, you don't choose that name. No, no, and we don't. And, and uh, Diablo athletic performance, which, uh, was, you know, is our, at, which was another approach that we wanted to do for our open gym business to attract others. But it, it it's, um, it was, it, they were all futile kind of branding attempts to to respond to this and we never did it it didn't feel like you no it wasn't congruent with who we are how many members do you have uh, we're at about 650 plus members holy shit yeah pretty consistently is 14,000 square feet enough um, yeah, that includes the 650 because we merged it on the software. That includes the San Jose location, which is 4,000 square feet. So it's yeah, which is 16,000 total. Did you you knew that? So. No, I okay. didn't. So but it's I combined to 16,000 16, square feet, and and it is just enough. Wow, um, it is just enough. But many of my members will tell you don't don't get any more members. How many trainers? Um, we have just at the at the Walnut Creek location. Yeah, at the Walnut or Creek. Lo- yeah, so Pleasant Hill, we have twenty coaches that are you know f- about four, five full time, and then the rest are part time coaches. Is it hard managing all of them? That's uh, twenty people. Do they get pissy with each other? Is there shit talking? I mean, that's twenty. I mean, so I have one of the reasons why I did the Moxie deal is they had a really good general manager that was running it. And uh, she is now the general manager for Diablo CrossFit, and she does that, and that's an essential role. They don't hate her, like, coming in, being no. like, yo, we've been here forever. What the fuck is she um, doing? No, they they, they didn't. She's, she, she, or she's putting in systems that they don't like? or no, she, And she's been great about doing all of that. Just And, you know, one of the things about CrossFit is, you know, on our door still says, leave your ego at the door. And, it, and that, I think that holds true for most CrossFit gyms, which is... You know, and we give everybody the opportunity to succeed and move up, and anybody could have stepped into that role. But there's a lot of my coaches that just didn't want to do it. We offer the opportunity to do a lot of private coaching, and there's coaches that just don't want to do it. They want to coach group classes because that's what they're good at. Right. That's what they're good at. Are you coaching classes? Um, I, I just told Jennifer I need to get back to coaching classes. I am currently not coaching classes, but I want to get back to it. Um, how long has it been? Oh, only only a few months. And why do you need to get back to it? Um, to be, I I I miss being a part that part of the community and being in touch with the members in that way. And it's incredibly rewarding. It's really satisfying to coach. Uh, it's, sometimes it's hard to get up and you know go to, to do the six a.m. class, but when you do it, because I was doing I was doing a six a regular six a.m. class at uh, or six to nine stint in Alamo. And it would, you know, Monday mornings were hard. And but by ten o'clock, I was like, "This is awesome!" I was just pumped, and it and it got me going for the rest of the day. And it gives me perspective about our customers, the movements, the programming, just a greater understanding of all of it. So I, I, I told Jennifer, our manager, I, I need to coach a couple classes a week. Is your wife working full time at the gym? Yes, she is, and she does uh, the operational stuff. And this is this is it. Yeah. This is life. This is life, and it's it's a good life. It's. Yeah, that's a giant class we had. What have you seen in the last two years as CrossFit Media? This is totally self-serving on my part, yeah, by the way. That's okay. Um, 
what have you done in the last, what have you seen in the last two years in your clientele? Are you seeing a a less fit athlete coming in? Are you seeing people come in more for health than um, than forging elite fitness? Have you seen any of that? Yeah, because because we're trying to drive that. We're trying to let. Um, one of the things Greg said, Greg said is, hey, this is several years ago, you have to, with your media, let all the people who've taken their L1 know that they have the cure for chronic disease. They need to fucking, we get, they know it. Tell them to start practicing that. Tell them that, that to, 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 to cater the message to whatever their client wants. Hey, we can, we can take you from chronic disease to fucking elite athlete. Right. Don't forget, we can get you from down there. We don't need to start with fucking a high school quarterback. Are you, are you seeing any of that? Y- yes, we are. Jeff Kane and Bruce uh, visited our gym about probably about a year ago now, or maybe it was about eight months ago. And he, we sat and talked after they did class, and he told me about this approach and asked me my thoughts, and I was reluctant. I didn't think that it was a proper approach that we would. Um, trying to sell the masses on a cure for diabetes was not a way to get people to do CrossFit. That, and because and, you thought it might damage the brand. That's right, or, damage or, the brand, which okay. had this reputation for it, it, the uh, like and, Gracie Jiu Jitsu. It's well, the badasses well, of the fitness well, industry. Well, right, right? and and if, if you can make the best better, mm-hmm. and that's what they choose, well, then everybody else will want to do what the best are doing. Right, and. And so I was worried about the loss of that, and it has, it's actually had the opposite effect. And I think it's helped mitigate the uh, reputation damage from CrossFit's Dangerous. There have, I have noticed, especially in the last six months on the CrossFit Instagram, a difference going from games athletes, um, um, you know, top athletes, you know, amazing feats, physical feats of performance, to transformations transformation stories and i noticed that in your podcast as well the stories that you do and that's been it, it, it i noticed it about six months ago i thought oh but it's been it's been great they're shared there are that i can share i feel comfortable sharing with the community diablo is an interesting uh, probably a small case study for crossfit because we have a we have a competition community and a lot of affiliates now don't and um, and you have you have two teams going to the regionals, right? Yes, we do. Congratulations, th- by the way. That's thank you, and it's amazing. it's a tribute to our community. We we provide an environment where they can thrive, and and they do it. But the um, when we spend too much time focusing on those athletes, I you know I get blowback from our our members that pay the bills. Oh, you do. Oh uh, yeah, it's you know you guys are focused too much on the competitors, or you know this, and I tell them, look, the reason why we have rowers and assault bikes. Competitors, like they, they, they broke the ground on that stuff. They taught us, you know, this reason why we have, you know, pegboards. Although not everybody uses pegboards, but the reason why there's people do bar muscle ups. It's right. I think the, a lot of that stuff came from the competitors and helped influence positively CrossFit. Um, but chest to bar pull ups. But the change, this this change that cross. So we so we softened our approach on in in terms of how we sell CrossFit, and then we and we started putting our community first on on our Instagram and Facebook and and elsewhere, and it was and it was a valid. Those are valid complaints. CrossFit doing the same thing has been just, it, it, it's 90% of the people that are out there. Right. Or, maybe more, or 99. Or average, maybe. Yeah, maybe 99, <laughs> right? Or right. are the average Joes, right. the people that do it, you know, that, that like going to class, being fit, and have another life, or maybe want to transform themselves. Greg said to me, 
or said to a big group of people, I've heard him use this a few times, hey, those of you who are CrossFitters, raise your hand. You know, the whole room raises their hand. And right. then he goes, when you're at work, who's, are you the fittest person at work? And everyone raises their hands. And he goes, when you're at your gym, are you the fittest person at your gym? And no one raises their hand. And it's the truth. Even a schmo like me, when I'm fucking in Walmart, I'm the fittest dude in the right. 2,000 people in there. Yes. You know? And so you're right. Like, if we... That's 1,999 people who, like... That's that's right. We should, we should be lowering the barrier of entry for... Yes. Right? It, without, without... I don't think we can damage the brand at this point, right? No. So the, so, so we, I talked about we it earlier. people like Matt Fraser and Katrin the, holding and uh, Alessandro Pacelli from your gym holding down the fucking spear the, like those, 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 Right. And, they're in the, those are the early adopters. Right. right. Those are people who got after it. The next level of fruit on the tree for the affiliates, which are the, you know, the prospects, they're less conditioned. Right. And, um, they're more reluctant. They're, they're, they're afraid of getting hurt or they're... But they're 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 not as into it. They would have found CrossFit already, right? And uh, because right, right, <laughs> they would right. Have, if they were aggressive go getters and they you know, wanted to truly focus on being you know super super fit, they would have found us. They would have found us on Google. Yeah. The next level of people are people that need to transform their lives. That need right. to get off the couch. You know, get off the carbs. That need to need something to draw them in. And what's cool is CrossFit Games is validates what we do. Um, but it's not who we are. No. I, I described someone the other day. They're like, isn't it all games? I said, no, the games is like our skin. The 99.9% .9 of us is underneath the skin. Yes. And that's like as soon as you go into an affiliate, there's people there who don't even know about the games. That's right. Are, are, your, 20, are your 20 coaches at, um, at Pleasant Hill CrossFit uh, – sorry, at Diablo CrossFit and Pleasant yeah. Hill, are they, are they prepared for these types of clients? Uh, I think so. We have a, a pretty diverse group of coaches that um, it, it used to be all of them, but now there's about two or three that didn't, but were members first. And that used to be our mantra. you got to be a member first before you could join our community first, then you could become a coach. They understand scaling, yeah, nutrition. Yeah, they understand scaling, nutrition. And yes. And they can, and they enjoy it, and they enjoy the, the, the transformations of some of our members. I bet you the job is more rewarding now. It's very fulfilling when you see the uh, weight loss and people, you know, the uh, that's why the Open is so awesome. And the Open's not about the games. It's about the people being willing, because of the Open, being willing to push the limits of their abilities because there's a crowd, because it's a the scored event, because it's the Open, and then they do new things that they thought they were never capable of. So it double. It's just it's all. My over. mom got her double unders because it's open. Just, She's like, "Why are those in the open?" I'm like, "Just try them." Yvonne, my wife, got handstand walks because of the online qualifier. Like, she awesome. Would, she wouldn't have done that. Awesome. Did she qualify? Yes, she did. Holy shit! Congratulations. Oh, yeah, came down to that workout too. You mentioned Chris Cooper earlier. Yes. Is he a friend of yours? Uh, yes, I, I, I'll call him a friend. I've I've uh, met him and we've had uh, numerous phone calls. He's he's a great guy. And what do you like about him? Uh, he's no nonsense. Um, he helps CrossFit affiliate owners separate um, the community friendship side of it from the business side of it, and he does it probably better than anybody else. And he's and he and he walks the walk and talks the talk because he has his own affiliate. And a successful affiliate. Yes. Do you view yourself as a successful affiliate? Y yes, uh, we do. Uh, we want to be better. And uh, what? And I tell people what makes 
people good as a CrossFit coach or even a CrossFit affiliate owner is, are not the things that make you a good business owner, almost the opposite. We develop our, the community sometimes is a double-edged sword. You develop friendships and relationships. It becomes very personal. If you're really good at community building and building relationships, it makes it really difficult to tell someone, I gotta raise your rates. Right. Or how come you didn't pay last month? Right. Or, or you know, you, you're, you keep coming in, yet you haven't renewed your membership. We need to renew your membership. It makes it very hard to have or those you, conversations. Or you give your employee hours that, they don't, that you don't really need them for. That's right. Yeah, that one. Well, I'm guilty of that. He had keep employees longer than you should. He had. He explained to me one of the things he explained to me is is like this. Each decision you get further away from your first decision becomes there. Oh, I, I, and I really shouldn't speak for him, but there becomes a greater chance for error. Meaning your first decision is to open the gym. Great, no yes. error there. Right. <laughs> your second decision is get get a couple pieces of equipment. No error there. Your second one, go do a workout in the park. No error there. Right. So you're like, you're, you know, you're doing good. You're only a few hundred yes. bucks in the hole. But then as you get down the road, it's like, should I get a space? Right. Should I get a plunger over a new toilet paper should holder? Should I take a home equity loan to buy yes. all this new equipment? Yes. Should I open a new? Oh, yeah. It just starts stacking. Yep. Were you surprised when Jason Ackerman said he sold his gym for almost seven figures? Yeah. Like, yes. It's it pretty was. insane, right? Yes. And it was, I think it was a unique situation because as I understood it was that they already essentially owned the building or the business around it and it was a way for them. Yes. Right. And they was, did. The guy owned the, the racquetball. Right. The guy who owned the building and owned the racquetball club. Right. He told him, hey, I'm going to sell this and he goes, I'll buy it from you. Right. I'll, I want to buy the biggest potential profit center. Right? That, I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. In, I don't even know what year, the grid was formed. That was at the end of 2014. And we're in 2018. Yes. And the grid, it was it was called something else at first? Yes, National... Uh, uh, Fitness League? No, National Pro Fitness League. Okay. And that was an organization that was going to be competitions... Yes, team competitions, and it started out as a the the idea came was born from the uh in, in the invitational that CrossFit does. It was born from that head-to-head -head competition, team competition. Okay. Uh, the founder Tony Budding was the producer at that event and saw the and he used to be the media director here at CrossFit. Yes, and so he saw the amazing uh, excitement around that event, uh, those team events, the one in Berlin sold out in a short amount of time. And he thought for sure that he could d uh, replicate that in a relay race type format with athletes coming out and doing uh, uh, functional movements, you know, the, the lifts and the gymnastics movements, the body weight movements, being able to tag team. And was able to secure a number of uh, investors to get that started and left CrossFit. And he reached out to me. In and the athletes were there. Yes. There were shitloads of people who were incredibly fit, had no, who had nowhere to express this fitness. That's correct. Right? The idea so it seemed it was, like you were, it was right. It, yeah, it seemed like, well, it seemed like there'd be an appetite for it on, you know, on TV and elsewhere. And the athletes were hungry for an opportunity to get an income doing what they do in a garage. Right. And or just, uh, I don't know that, you would know that better than me because you know them, but also just like an expression of it. How fucking fit are you going to get with nothing to do with it? Right. Right? That's that's correct. Like, fuck, like... 
That's exactly right. I can do 100 pull-ups. I can't make it to the games, and I can back squat 500 pounds, and I can't make it to the games, or or I or I can make it to the games. There were right. games athletes in the grid, right? Yes. Let me see if I can. Let me parlay this into more shit, more That's expressions. Right. Okay. That's right. And make a make a living off of it. So, okay. So in 2014, this thing starts. It, does it have a um, office? It was right when I left our headquarters. It was right when I left. I got the call from Tony literally like two weeks after I left my job to go run Diablo full time. And the question was, hey, do you want to help us do this really cool thing? Well, yeah. I, I, Tony was a friend, and also I you know, looked up to him at being at CrossFit Me. So I was, sure, I love competition. And, uh, and yes, well, the office was in his house okay. um, initially, and then they took down some space here in Beautiful Scottsdale. Beautiful house. I drive by oh, it every it's day. It's a great house. Holy his shit. father-in-law, I think, uh, designed Crazy. it, built it. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's really cool. And so that's uh, and so he he rallied and he 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 got five or six uh, um, influential CrossFit affiliate owners to kind of help build the t- that that were that had experience with teams at the games to help kind of organize the team side of it. And then uh, and you came in as an owner of one of the teams. Owner of one of the teams. How about as owner part of the league? Um, no, I was asked, do, which one do you want to do? And because I I originally helped create uh, draft some of the website and some of the content uh, in the rule book and those types of things, and I I said, well, I want to own a team. I want to I want to be part of the competition side of it. Did you ever compete? Um, no. Physically, no. No, I got asked to. Uh, no, I didn't. And, and, and there, there was, there were age groups. Yeah. yeah well, right? there was, there wasn't age groups. What it was is you, each team. So it was a team of um, eight originally, and uh, or a team of seven. And the the seventh man essentially or woman had to be a masters athlete. It could be a man or. Well, no, it's a, you had to have one masters man and one masters woman. I apologize. Okay. Eight. So it was a team of eight. Okay. And in 2014, this thing gets off the ground. Yes. And there are, you said, five or six teams? Yes, six teams we started with. And you guys, um, there's uh, competitions? Yes. So um, there were matches, and uh, they were designed to be about an hour and 45 minutes long, and what was viewed as an ideal format. And, and Tony's idea was to build a professional league. He was literally wanted to be bigger than uh, the National Hockey League. He, his, he's a bold visionary. He right. could paint a really good picture. And so we got off, and we would do it in, in events. The first one was done in Madison Square Garden, of all places, and they, they took it down, they paid the money, the, the media trucks, the whole nine yards, and broadcast it live. He, he, he got a barter deal with uh, NBC, MB, uh, NBC Sports, to, to broadcast. And what was the format of the league? Did you had to be you, you, there was a season, or how many times did you yeah, compete so against other teams? Did you? Did you compete against all the, the teams? The idea was it was going to be a you know an eight or twelve game season, but it ended up being we what we did was uh, we did uh, three matches, three met three each team played three times, and then we did a bracketed playoff where everybody got to participate in the bracket. And you all showed up at the same venue. Yeah, we all showed up at the same venue. Holy shit, was yeah. that good? Yeah, it was. It was really exciting to watch for those that were in it. Mm-hmm. It was exciting. He his goal was to capture the. And, and this was said, um, and, and I'm sure I know it. Well, I know it annoyed Dave, but and uh, Justin. But it was, you know, we were trying to capture the best moments of the games, right? right. The, those those last, you know, thirty seconds when it's the race to the finish, or the same thing in the, you know, the comparison we used was the four hundred meter relay in the Olympics, that that handoff, and you're not sure who's going to win, and, the, and that was what was trying to be duplicated in each race. And there were nine races in every 
match. And I remember there, there was that excitement there. Yes. If you, we got down to the last quadrant, I used to sit in the last quadrant, just was going head to head back and forth. And from um, a lot of the same media was used, the media people, the contractors that were that work for CrossFit, I would yes. hear back from them and they would go, oh my God, it was fucking amazing. Yeah, it, it, it was really cool. But there wasn't attendance. No, not enough attendance. And so in 2014, um, it gets in 2015. It gets. Is it, did it happen every year? Yes, it happened. So 2015 was the first year. 2000 end of 2014 is when it was born, and okay. 2015 was the first season, which was remarkable. We were able to put a, put together our first season. 2016. Yeah, it came out with a fucking bang, like yes. you said, Madison Square Garden. That's right. Okay. And are you? How do you feel? Are you feeling nervous about after 2015? You're like, oh fuck. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we were. I was feeling nervous, but the, but the, it was. We were really. Those that were, you know, owned affiliates were were devastated by the response from the CrossFit community, which was, it's like cheating on your wife. Oh, you know, it's like you guys are cheating on CrossFit. It was it was that open. Yes. You would see it like on social media. Oh yeah. Like you fucking thieves. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just so you know, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't. Yeah. I don't. Good, I. And good for you. Don't ever do it. But I. Um, <laughs> I just don't have time. You know, I, I, I've said this in many shows. I told my wife, if you ever see me on Facebook, it's because I'm trying to fuck chicks from high school that I wish I had to fuck. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I left high school almost a virgin, so <laughs> I should never get on Facebook. No. Um, so so I, I only knew I only knew um, CrossFit's position on it, right. and it was sort of an unofficial look the other way. Yes. There was a – um, our and, goal yeah, was to – And CrossFit never did anything malicious. No. They and, just – and the refuse to comment. Yeah, we have to support our affiliates. We have to support um, tr- training, and those you know that's our that's our that's our thing. Drive right. people into affiliates. Let them know that you know yes. that's where you go to get inoculated from chronic disease, and then let people know they can also go right. to the L one. So, so after the first year, you're you're feeling a little anxious and yes. and, and bitter. Right. Like, come on, guys. Right. It's just, it's just us. Right. It's just, it was. It was just us, and this shit's fun. And, and right. all of, the, most of the athletes ha- uh, train at CrossFit gyms so they can do this. When you say most, do you mean all? No, the, because there were a few athletes that came from outside CrossFit, the specialists, and that was one of the unique properties of, or the unique components to it is you needed a, you needed a gymnast, right? So, you know, you get the Cirque du Soleil guy that can do the rings or you needed a, okay. the, the weightlifter. And okay. uh, we had, uh, what's his name? Klaukov came in for one of the teams and, oh, and was their, right. and was their strong guy. Okay. That's the Russian dude. Yeah. And, and so, and the idea was, is that over time we'd probably get more and more specialists for each of the events that it, that you didn't need to be across for. But I saw him, by the way, in Greg's mm-hmm. box at the games one year, taking a picture with Greg and maybe there was a translation issue, but he was fucking sucking Greg's dick <laughs> and fucking two months later um someone sh- shows me on social media he's bad mouthing crossfit yeah and he's and he's that was that was a company really, i haven't seen that was, it recently i haven't seen i've never met His, the guy but that was really fucked up yeah so and, and i didn't like that at all well me either and the other thing he did which again irritated me because uh, you know i'm an affiliate owner but he had a cross lifting oh right was his <laughs> company right <laughs> I mean, it's Marshall, get on him. Marshall, get him. Yeah, I think they might have because I haven't seen much on crosslifting anymore. He he came in with a, a splash, and then I don't see him in the community at all anymore. No. But he came in pretty. Yeah, he came in pretty hot. He yeah. was amazingly strong, and and but he's a known um, PED user. 
And so the community kind of pushes that away real quick. They don't, you know. Take from you what you can and then yes, some technique and you're off. Okay, so, um, well, I think especially as the community gets older, because yeah. they realize it's about longevity, right? That's, that's right. This has nothing to do with your max snatch today. No. It has to do with your ability to snatch forever. That's right. So, um, so then in 2016, you guys go take another shot at it. Yes. And w- with some tweaks to the team sizes. That's right. Uh, yeah, we sh- we we sh- uh, brought the team sizes down, and then we got rid of the masters uh, rule. Okay. And. Um, and then we uh, we had a playoff. We went to instead of the, when we did the um, we all didn't go into one location. The first year we went to different locations. The second year we did the studio model where we brought them all into one location. Uh-huh. That was Provo, Utah. Okay, you did an event at UC Berkeley too. Yes, that was our the San Francisco Fire. That was our team's event where we hosted our first match at UC Berkeley. And, and what year was that? That was the that first was year. F- Two thousand fifteen. Oh. It was six thousand. We had, we got six to six thousand people to show up. Yeah, I really wanted to go to that. I live right down the street from that. Yeah. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I did. Oh, okay. I did. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then you do. So then, and, and that's to save money, reduce the teams by two yes. people, and to, um. And do it all Take in one the location. Do it all in one location. Okay, and so you do it in Provo, Utah. Yes. And how does the event turn out? Um, they, the the matches were great. There, there weren't very many people on the stands, but they realized, you know, with lights and darkness and everything else, you can make it look good for TV. And, and the model became instead of a professional sport, it became let's try and make this a sport made for TV. Okay. Um, with I, the don't idea know, I don't know what the difference is, but well, the difference being that instead of trying to grind it out and earn fans over a long period of time, like MLS soccer did over 25 years, it was get it on TV like American Ninja Warrior. Okay. And so you can get sponsor dollars, and, and okay, and it, it became that it's more a definite shift in terms of just produce a good product, sell it to Europe or sell it to US, and okay, see if it can sustain itself. So. So you don't. So you do that event, and you're not sure how successful it is or not successful because it's 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 determined to be determined by interest in in TV and yes. sales. Yes. Okay. And so does that one air on CBS or NBC? Um. Yeah. And on on uh, NBC. NBC. NBC and, Sports. Yeah. And the name of your team was San Francisco Fire. San Francisco Fire. And then in 2017. Yeah. Just never could reignite it. Done. Yeah, we kept trying. There were sponsors that were coming on board. Uh, there were two. Tony was out. He'd gone on. He'd gotten bought out. And uh, the two guys that were running it um, were desperately trying to get a sponsor to come in and pay the bills. Did you know them? Um, I yes. Are they CrossFitters? Um, one of them. Well, who who are who are they? I'm trying um, to know. So sure, Ryan Shaper, who owns uh, Flagship, okay, in San Francisco. And um, he's a hedge fund guy out of San Francisco. I had actually known him in the hedge from my hedge fund days. And um, the other is uh, Glenn Smith, whose son is a um, affiliate owner. Okay. And it never gets off the ground. No. Is it sitting idle or is it dead? It, it's it's uh, it's I I think it's dead. Um, myself, we haven't heard anything. Um, our company is done that owned the San Francisco Fire. And um, and I think all of the other teams' companies are done, and the league owns, you know, Ryan and Glenn own the entity, um, but I don't think they BK'd. I think they just own it. They put, you know, I don't know, between the two of them, I think it was close to $14 million in it. Holy shit. Yeah. It was all in probably close to... 
every with all the teams and everything, everybody investing is probably close to 40, 40 million. We I think we estimate forty to fifty million. Everyone um, was a crossfitter. Um, yes. Maso Manos. Yeah, Maso Manos. Holy shit! And um, when you say Tony sold it, did he make a profit on it? Uh, no. Okay. No, he lost. Holy shit! Yeah, everybody. Everybody lost it. The only, you know, who didn't lose? Although some may not have gotten paid, but uh, the athletes all got paid. Right at some point. Right. Yeah, the athletes all got paid, which was makes me makes me feel good. And and I was part. Uh, my partner Paul Southern from CrossFit Pleasanton was partner in that. And uh, Paul Paul lost more than I did. <laughs> I remember seeing who's the guy. He's fucking awesome. He used to be Noah Olson's coach. He owned CrossFit Dogtown. Dusty. Oh yeah, Dusty. Dusty Highland. Dusty yeah, Highland. Yeah, yeah. Gymnastics. I remember, yeah. I remember seeing him. Did he? Does he own CrossFit Dogtown? Is that his? Yes. Gym? I remember seeing him on the sidelines in a business suit. Yeah. <laughs> he was a coach. Yeah. He was a coach. And he was for the LA Rain. And he who was ne- screaming who, and yelling, and right. I was like, "Holy shit, he's in a suit." Yeah. He's in a suit. <laughs> that was one of Tony's roles. Was you had to be in a suit. Had to, the coaches had to be in suits. And the other was athletes couldn't take their shirts off. Oh. That drove me crazy. Man. Yeah. That one's no bueno. That's what I that's think, the first too. Ba- that's the first bad thing I've heard. Um, it's, it, I mean, you have a tremendous insight into what makes the games work and what makes um, fitness competitions work. Like Greg has always said, hey, he wants CrossFit Games to be the Woodstock of fitness. Yes. And it's interesting, um, and you were saying, you know, that the, I think I, if I can quote you correctly, that the Open isn't the games. No. And although it's vital to the games, it is not the games. That's correct. And, you know, there's there's something there. There's fucking, you know, a book there on what community and... CrossFit is participatory, right? So people are passionate about it and watch it and go to the games because they're doing it. And I, you know, I think there's friends and family, and there's some outsiders that'll come and watch it. But everybody's doing it, which is really makes it much different. And Grid was more doing it for fans to watch it, um, not do it, and and it didn't work as a result. Um, but CrossFit gets I mean, what's really well, one of the neat things about the Open at Diablo One. It's it's an opportunity for people to push themselves. But what we're a gym that has a competition program. Some gyms don't, and and I understand there's gyms that just don't want to do it. Is we end up making fans um, of our team, of our athletes, and of Diablo, and the CrossFit Games. You see that at um, like places very obviously like Brick and Invictus. Too, yes. Right. You, they become passionate fans, and it binds them yeah. to to Diablo, and that's kind of a neat thing. We have a. We have a lot of ex-members being around as long as we have, but we have a we have a Facebook group that's the Diablo Community Group, and it goes beyond our members. A lot of our ex-members, and it's just that they that rallies went during the open to try and get you know, and they're excited about having teams. And why does someone become an ex-member? They move. Um, it, it's it's mostly um, they're things you can't you can't battle. That's right. They move, change jobs, financial loss, um, injury. Not as often as is 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 is. We think, or like, some people like, might think. I was gonna say, like, if, if once you're in a year, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm making this up. Once you're in a year, I'm thinking you get injured, and you know the the fastest way to heal is to keep going. Right, I know. Right, and, yeah. I had a member that had a partial knee replacement, triathlete guy, and he was 
his doctor said he never he goes you're a healing machine he was back in the gym doing crossfit within a week of having on partially but he would do f- severely scaled obviously right really just careful about it but just but he said he felt like i was healing because i was active and moving like my body was forced to heal I saw it with my wife. She had yeah. a meniscus removed, and she had a cadaver meniscus put in, and it got infected, and she almost lost oh, her I leg. heard that story. It was fucking horrible. Was, yeah. And fucking the doctor was a douchebag. And um, uh, six weeks later, I mean, she did some form of CrossFit the entire time, even though they told her not to. But, you know, even, even yeah. like some push-ups and some seated pull-ups and some stay sweating, right? And um, she went in for a six-week checkup, and they were like, holy shit, we cannot fucking believe it. Yeah, I think it, cr- I think it creates, it's like a survival instinct. Your body goes, hey, I, w- this person is still moving. We better heal up quick. You know, <laughs> all at, this stuff turns on. At my L1, Greg said, um, uh, Mama Lion has fucking eight cubs. Um, she gets injured. And um, how does she heal? She has to keep hunting for food for her baby cubs. And so as creatures of the wild we're designed to yes. heal we're designed to heal on the move that no our survival is based on us being able to continue to hunt food and obviously there's exceptions right right like 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 fucking god bless kevin ogar what happened to him he needed to fucking rest right but um i took my back or my foot or like you know i sprained my ankle that's not uh my shoulder hurts i just stopped going shoulder overhead right. for a few months good as new yeah or and when i say stop i don't mean not do this oh, right i just mean like people you're see a, it. You're the, uh, I go back to what we talked about earlier. You're an early adopter, and we're finding that again, that next level of folks. And it, this is one of the things we spend time with in our introductory sessions. You might have a, you might pinch something in your back. You might get a tweak in your, you know, your calf. You might, you know, doing double unders. Those things aren't reasons to stop. That's your body <laughs> getting fitter, and you're going to push the edge. And and for people that are deconditioned or haven't done a lot of fitness, a lot of times there's an overreaction. Like even muscle soreness. Oh, the first time yes. I read an art, someone was saying that it's being debated whether muscle soreness is injury. I was dying laughing. Yeah. Like really? I I, I love being sore. We we have to we have to grit our teeth and just you know and and have a lot of understanding and compassion and help them move on. Um, but the but it is it's the financial it's the marital status change divorce or something like that and it's moving the Bay Area is really transient so. I tell people we our Diablo's attrition rate is about um, four to um, four to five percent a month oh. right, of our members. So do the numbers, and you can you know you can figure out. It doesn't seem high at all until you probably have to run a business. That's right. You're like, oh fuck, that's amazing, but then right. you're like, hey, that's four percent of your income gone. Yeah, that's well, that's that's so not, we have to it has to be so we have to have new folks coming in. Yeah. And it's just part of being the size we are. And I talk to other affiliate owners that are size, CJ at Invictus and others, and it's and they have the same experience. They have the same experience. When you're smaller, your attrition rates are, are smaller because you, you've more closely connected and right. you're more in touch. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. You'll come back? Uh, I'd love to. Um, if I don't bore your audience. You'll bring your wife? Uh, she's great. She's, you know, why I'm here. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. Everyone, someone, I, I put a quote up on the board. I can't. I apologize to whoever said this. Oh, J, oh, it's a Jim Carrey quote. You know, behind every successful man is a wife rolling her eyes. You know, <laughs> and that's my wife. She does. She, she she makes me look good. And how long have you been married? Uh, Twenty-seven years since nineteen ninety. Awesome. Yeah. What well, uh, what's the secret? Um, 
fitness, time alone by yourself, having your own day or time, mm-hmm. and uh, taking care of yourself so you still look good to each other. Yeah. It, it really is, you know, it sounds shallow, but it's important. No, 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 yeah, no one wants a um a dog with matted hair. No matter how much you love your dog, when he's fucking filthy, you don't want him, uh, right? This is true. Um, you work out with your wife? Um, we occasionally. She likes to work out with me more than I do with her. Why is that? Um, I love working out with my wife. Do you? Yeah, don't you like watching her move around and shit and get all sweaty and? She works out hard and she's intense and so my and my and my wife's. She kills your vibe? She's far more competitive than I am. Ah. So when we work out together, like, I can feel her counting my reps. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah. That's probably, I do that shit to my wife. <laughs> Even though she's probably more competitive than me and beats me in most of the shit. Right. But, like, I'll be like, no rep. I'll be no repping her while I'm working out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we were, uh, we were literally, this was about a week ago, we were in a class together. And I, st- I, I wasn't feeling good, and so I stopped working. I rarely stop workouts, and I sat down. And she was all the way over on the other side of the gym, and you saw how big the gym is. Yeah. And she was on the other side of the gym, and I hear her scream, Did you do all your cleans? You can't be done yet. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And, and I instantly realized, oh, shit, she's watching me <laughs> going head to head. Did you get back up and do them? No, I, was, I. You know what I did? I came in the next day and did the workout because it was um, a hero workout. Why? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good on you. Um, that's interesting because I can count on probably one hand the times I've quit quit workouts. It's, yeah. like, it's a bizarre phenomenon. Me too. Some weird shit's got to go. Like yes. Even like the other day, I had like a baby scream and I changed a diaper or something, and I only had like 15 push-ups left, and I came back and fucking did them. Um, uh, what happened? How um, sick were you? Stomach bug it, or no? It was uh, I. It was a heavy. Uh, it was a one. 55 power clean or powers uh i'm sorry oh, yeah. 155 squat clean and i forget the hero that's terrible that i can't remember and it was uh, dt you would know it was a recent hero workout that was published by crossfit okay and we'd come in from a we do a one mile run and then you go into and you do 50 wall balls and then you go in and do these heavy cleans and it's three rounds you do three rounds so you want the wall balls and the mile run were the yes. buy-in it yeah. was 60 wall balls and you come in and you do these cleans for three rounds and i came in and did my first set of cleans and i started getting anxiety like it was it was i was getting scared of the cleans of these heavy squat cleans and i came back for my second round and i was, I, I, I couldn't pick up the bar and it was a unique that's feeling he- for me yeah that's heavy yeah and I wasn't scaling. I sh- what wow, I should have done, sen- I should have scaled. This is sensitive shit we're on. We should have started here. I <laughs> so I, it, so you weren't it, joking. I you carried weren't it with age. me. I, yes. And, and that's a weight normally that I'm fairly comfortable at. And so that bothered me. And it bothered me and I was getting anxiety about it. And I, and I literally couldn't pick up the bar. I said, I got to stop. But I, it, I carried it with me for 24 hours. I came back in the next day and did the workout. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Uh... Getting the 135s on, getting the the 45s on was like a huge achievement for me, right? I started four years old and I started. And then so between like 35 and 44 years old, that's like just, I even warmed up with that weight, 135, 135, 135. And now like putting the 45s on for anything at 46. Yeah. It's like. This is the food. I'm like, holy fuck, I'm back down to nine. I warm up with 65 and 95. And like, even if the workout's like, if the workout's 155, I won't even do it. I'll scale way the fuck down. But it is, it is humbling. It is, and it, but it's getting better within CrossFit. I notice our members too are willing to scale more. And we spend a lot of time telling people, look, it's a different workout if you can't move I, the weight. I've never felt 
bad after the workout's over when I skate. Right. I've never ever once that's a good, felt bad. That's a great. That's a great never, point. Never ever. That's a great point. Every time I finish, I'm like, "Fuck! I fucked that thing up." <laughs> I did the. I did the masters. But I have felt bad using too heavy of weights. Yes. Right, where you like, I should have. Yep, I should scale. That was my ego guy. I'm gonna hurt tomorrow for that. Yep. We, this is the first year of the Masters 55 that I did where the weight's significantly less. And I used to think I'd hate that. And I was super stoked to, it was like, I did the work. I'm like, that was such a better workout. I had much more, I had no anxiety about doing the, the open at the Masters 55 weights. It's the CrossFit's doing the right thing with that. And we'll leave on that wisdom. Yes. Craig Howard, thank you. Thank you, Swan. Dinner tonight at Greg's. Okay. You're there. I'd love to be there. Yeah, awesome. Good. Tonight's going to be chill, too. Okay. Won't get all intense with all the doctors. Oh, yeah. That's great. Thanks. Oh, I'd love to be there. Thank you.